For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. I'm going to stand up, actually, because uh, my head is wrecked from trying to move that stool around. Um, it's a lovely story. You know, I love the, doing the stories where people, um, you know, act kind with gestures of people helping others. Uh, two or three of them during the week. Uh, another one this morning, actually, saying, just wanted to write in about a positive story about my daughter in the A&E at the Mercy Hospital yesterday. The st- Actually, this probably is earlier in the week. I just didn't get to it until now. The staff went above and beyond to make her feel comfortable. But what really blew me away was how other patients treated us while in the waiting room. I was on my own with my young daughter and my phone just upped and died. Seeing this, an older gentleman offered me the use of his phone to make contact with my family. And another couple, after hearing me explain the situation to my mother uh, during the phone call, offered me their phone charger and even went so far as to say, you can keep it. (laughs) You can keep the phone charger, which I didn't, by the way. I've lived abroad before and everywhere has its charm. Uh, But the other night's display of care and compassion towards a stranger really reminded me of what makes Cork special. And I'm so happy to point this out to my daughter and she witnessed it too. But anyway, Neil, a huge thank you to the lovely people in the waiting room at the Mercy Hospital. You are a credit to the Cork community and so say all of us. Paper-wise this morning, well, of course, it was the handing down of sentence uh, to Molly Martins and her father. Monster Molly is sent back to prison as the front pager making the mail today. Molly is a monster. She broke our family down bit by bit. These are quotes from um, the kids of Jason Corbett speaking of their torment. Um, apparently Molly Martin was sobbing as she was led, led away. Uh, one of the kids told the court, don't be fooled by her mask of civility. There's a monster lurking beneath. I will be coming back to this story incidentally, so I'm just dealing with the headlines for now. Um, Jason's son um, slams his killer um, his ex stepmon, well, there's two involved, and he got an unmerciful beating. He really and truly did, um, in fear for their life, but yet with very little marks or any kind of serious injuries to either of the two of them. But anyway, they face up to 30 months more in prison. And we'll break down the sentence a, a little later on this morning. The um, son doesn't hold back. It says, Go back to jail for your extra 30 months of killing. Apparently, it would appear that the judge, who was a former prosecutor himself, just felt that there were way too many holes in the testimony and the storyline of both father and son. And on that basis, because there was a time, actually, maybe you'd agree, there was a time, maybe back into this week and early last week, that I certainly thought they were going to walk and there would be time served. Um, but anyway, that's the story so far. We'll come back to it a little later on. Uh, in other news, I know I mentioned this yesterday, but this has grown legs of its own. So the robo-trees now have grown legs of their own. And they're scooting up and down Patrick Street and scooting up and down the Grand Parade. Um, but seriously, I mean, it was a stupid amount of money to invest in things that just clearly don't work and should now be scrapped. Well, we kind of knew that when they were put in. I don't know what kind of due diligence was done by whoever purchased them to see how effective they were. You see went in and they now concluded uh, that the measurements conducted on the robo-trees provided no consistent evidence for any improvement in air quality at all either on the benches, near the benches or in the vicinity of the benches so who, who would manufacture these things and why, why would somebody make them, market them as being so effective to helping the environment but when they're independently tested they're found to be totally the opposite so we're over 400 grand in the hole for these trees uh, these robo trees and 18 grand a year then to uh, service them. I'll talk to Owen English from the 
uh, Irish Examiner a little later on this morning. I will also talk to Barry Roach at some stage this morning of the armed Gardaí who eventually had to fire a shot through the windscreen of a stolen lorry to bring its rampaging driver to a halt. Um, the driver in his 30s was attempting to ram through two Gardaí vehicles yesterday and the armed support unit um, discharged the gunshot or fired the gunshot through the windscreen uh, telling him to get out. I tell you what, they put manners on them. They weren't long softening his cough because after the first shot through the windscreen, out get your man with his hands up in the air, game over. So that's the story that makes this morning star. Rampaging stolen truck stopped by armed guardy. Did I mention that was a Cork story? The other Cork story, of course, before the court is the 17-year-old. He can't be named now because he'd be, uh, he'd be a juvenile, but he's charged with multiple motoring offences uh, arising after that two-car crash. Do you remember it up around the Mitchellstown way, up around the N8 motorway near Mitchellstown? Unfortunately, there was a 16-year-old in the car that died. They ended up driving down the wrong way, down, down the wrong way, and it was full of underage people inside in that car. Many of them injured, one killed. Do you now before the courts, and that's something that's been covered uh, by Liam Healan and the gang and Olivia Keller as well and the Examiner and the Echo I know we talked about the XL Bully Dog which is a crossbreed and we spoke about it yesterday, yes, last week far too many attacks with regards to that breed of dog um, they're going to be that dog now is going to be en- uh, added to the da- the restricted breeds list also known as the dangerous dogs list not that it's going to make a blind bit of difference uh, with regards to trying to prevent people from being attacked by them but um, you know I don't know what the stat is but I do remember at one stage some time ago hearing that there was only two people on Leaside fined for dog fouling just two right we got dog wardens we got litter wardens and in spite of all of that two fines so it doesn't make a blind bit of difference now if they're going to double the fine um, for pet violations from 150 euro to 300 euro so there'll be an on the spot fine for dog owners who don't control their pets um, and uh, become an issue uh, on the streets or poo on the streets or act the maggot on the streets, whatever the case may be, which doesn't matter. It might as well be 3,000 because just, oh yeah, you're right, thank you. Just one dog owner was fined for on-street fouling in Cork City last year. Just one. So it could be dog fouling, it could be snapping, it could be biting, it could be intimidating behaviour. There are fines for it, but <laughs> there are fines for it, but... If there are dog wardens, I can never find them anyway. This is a, an amazing story. And I want to tell you a story about this, right? Because apparently, in spite of everything that we're going through, there has been a surge of 36% upwards in the amount of people applying for car loans. Now, possibly the same could be said for home improvements or whatever. But if you look, because the Independent this morning says, the surge in bank lending um, to buy expensive new cars shows that some people have managed to escape the effects of the cost of living crisis. So say all of us, if there's been a 36% increase in people buying new motor cars. But many of the loans are for new electric vehicles, right? Now, I find that amazing because last week I was reading that the sales of electric vehicles actually had dropped because if you were going to buy them and you had dosh after COVID and people were trousering cash, that you'd have probably bought one already. Yeah. But apparently not. People continue to buy them. I'm actually shocked. I, I, I was going to come in there because I thought a lot of those um, loans would have been for second-hand cars because the price of used cars have gone through the roof. People's motorists would have packed they in. Might be. They might wouldn't be have the second- money no, for they it. They might be second-hand. You know, not- just, I just wonder. Like, I mean, there must be a lot of people whose cars have packed it in over the last couple of years and they've needed to get a new car. They don't have the money because used cars' prices have gone up so much so they have to take out a loan. I, w- I don't know right. if it's a... I, I'm looking at it from the up. You know what I mean? It might necessarily be the case where people are flush with cash if they're having to take out loans. It might be literally just having something to get by so they can get out of the work. Lad, lad, <laughs> as, they, as they'd say up in for my lad, or down in y'all, 
this electric car business and these hybrid cars is a racket. It's a racket. Right? So? I know, I know I, listen, I know somebody's got a hybrid car, right? They were told and they bought the cars. Fantastic. Came all new and shiny and looking great. 64 kilometres on a full charge. Right? 64, 64. kilometres. That, that's fine. That's what a hybrid would be. You have the tank of petrol and everything. Um, they charge it all of the time. Day after day, night after night. Try and get the low rate by charging it from 2am to 5 in the morning. Otherwise, if you charge an electric car at home by day, you will be robbed. Yeah, I, right? I, it's, it's way too expensive. Yeah, it's funny because... But anyway, anyway yeah, 64 kilometres is what they say, yeah. right? You'll be lucky if you got 41 on a full charge or 43. You might come out some days and it might be 34 What's, what's going on? What a, a total swizz. And I know the hybrids have the engine, so it's okay. Um, and I, look, I've spoken to a guy with an, an, an electric up in Watergrass Hill, and he swears by it. He says it's amazing. They only charge it once a week. It's and for him, he's in Watergrass Hill. He can run down the hill for your charge. He can, he can free wheel wherever he's going. Clutch it in all the way down, yeah, <laughs> until he gets to the tunnel. Um, but I, I, I think I, I would hate, this is why I wouldn't buy an electric car. I would hate to be on the clock. Do you know, I'd hate to like uh, at least with a diesel. Bring, you're like I can pull anxiety. in and I can. Yeah, that would just see me off totally. I couldn't possibly drive in a car. If you can't can drive an electric it. car from Cork to Dublin return. Don't buy one. Yeah, right. If you buy a hybrid car and they say 64 kilometers on a full charge, that's a lie. It's likely yeah. to be anywhere between 35 and 45. I have no idea why. I'd love people could tell me why, but I'd love I'd love to know why they're allowed. Uh, advertise those ranges as well and they're just not realistic Man, enough, I have no so. idea anyway text 0868104106 if you can shed any light on that back after the break Cork's biggest conversation is here the Neil Brenderville show is on Cork's Red FM um, there's another story actually making the news all too often we hear of chocolate bars or shrinkflation you know where products are getting smaller and smaller or there's less in the tin or the chocolate bars got smaller I'm convinced that an awful lot of them are much smaller but maybe it's my hand is bigger since I was a child but the latest ones to go now are the animal bar um, won't lose any sleep about that it's a, it's a kiddie's chocolate I suppose but the other one is Caramac and I don't remember ever seeing a Caramac in Ireland, but there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, apparently, in the UK because of it. Vic tells me that it's the equivalent to the Cadbury's Caramilk. And she says it's the best thing. It tastes very similar to the Cadbury's Caramilk, but not similar enough for people to love it. So they got rid of it. But I was just curious then, because there's loads and loads of chocolate bars that have gone down over the years and just uh, we no longer see. One of, the, one of the biggest ones apparently to go would have been the likes of, say, for instance, the Time Out. But there were others like the Cadbury's Whisper Mint, which sounds like a delight to me. Then there was the Aztec bar from a long, long, long time ago. The Taz bar is gone. The Toffo bars. They lo- did a load of different types of uh, Kit Kats that failed and just went back to the original. But the animal bar, you remember? might remember a few years ago, I did a story on that if you were listening, because apparently, unfortunately, addicts were using the tinfoil from the animal bar, inside the animal bar, um, to, um, you know, put their product on it. A lot of the time was to, to burn heroin on it. Um, and that was a big problem. So I don't know whether or not Nestle did something about the, um, the, the tinfoil. But I digress, because I want to get um, the uh, professional opinion on it. So we got Twix and all sorts of different bars from... Uh, different companies and all the different shelves that you see um, at, uh, at your supermarket or your local garage. But Kevin Harley has a few of them, of course, centres around the city and, and the suburbs. So he's going to know what's selling and what isn't. Kevin, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. How I, know, are you? I know you're off busy running for a train or what have you. So just with regards to, firstly, the ones that are gone, Animal Bar and uh, this one, Caramac. Did, did they actually, did Caramac actually ever sell in Ireland? 
Uh, I don't remember it at all. I know we, we sell caramilk, all right. But, uh, so could I, it be that? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe that's perhaps the Irish version of it. I just did a bit of Googling there when, when Seamus rang me a while ago. Um, but there's obviously bars that come and go. That's the whole marketing cycle. You know, you've got bars that last a long, long time, like the likes of Mars bars, etc. But you've obviously got other ones then that, that come and go. But I was just saying to Seamus a while ago that the, the, the huge seller for us and, and throughout all convenience stores in Ireland now is uh, Fulfill Bars. Who? Uh, which are these Fulfill. protein bars. You know? Oh, Fulfill Protein Bars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're a huge seller. Massive seller for us, you know. Are they actually healthy? Are they marketed as being healthy? Or are they, you know, are they full of sugar like everything else? Are they genuine? Um, well, I, I would imagine that they've got a higher percentage of protein in them than, say, a Mars bar, for example. But obviously, they do, do have a certain element of sugar in them. Uh, but some of the some of the, the variants of them are actually quite nice. Okay, I, so I are they the ones with nuts, seed, and then they're covered in chocolate? Yeah, there's all different varieties. I there's know that. Chocolate, there's nuts. There's a, there's a load of different varieties. So as people get healthier or more health conscious, they've moved away from the traditional bars towards those ones, is it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, you know, you've got the the, 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 Gen, the, the Gen Z um, generation who are buying Monsters and Red Bulls and all of that. And um, they're buying these Fulfill bars as well, as opposed to, say, a Mars bar. Uh, when I was in my 20s, uh, when I was going to the gym, I suppose a Mars bar was what you'd eat afterwards, you know. Kind of a bit stupid buying a protein bar and a sugary drink at the same time, isn't it? It sort of defeats the purpose, one would have thought. Uh, I suppose, Neil, but sure, look, uh, we don't decide. We just put it on okay. the shelf and, and if they come in, they buy it. They don't, they don't. Okay, so are you saying, th- is that the biggest seller or is it like your Rolos or your Boost or your Bounties or your Whispers or your Mars? What What's the biggest seller? No, as regards confectionery, Fulfill um, would be our definitely our biggest seller. And wow. um, I think the guys who, who developed that product and marketed it did a really, really good job. But we do sell quite a lot of, you know, the usual traditional bars like Kit Kats, Mars bars, you know, Twixes. All so of the traditional milk. ones, what's the biggest seller? Uh, I would say uh, Twix and Dairy Milk are probably our biggest. So the Dairy Milk would be the Cadbury's original of the species, not with nuts, not with raisins, not with anything, just the Dairy Milk bar. But Twix is number one. Yeah, Twix would be up there as well. They're all pretty similar. Twix, Mars Bar, Snickers, Dairy Milk. Um, and then you've got a couple of the Nestle lines like Toffee Crisps uh, would be big. Arrows would be quite big as well. What about the Twirl or the Star Bar or the Double Decker? Uh, yeah, look, they're all there. They're all pretty much, um, you know, not, 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 not huge sellers in, in, in comparison with the Fulfill Bars, but they're, they're, they're still there. They're still on our shelves. And I am absolutely them. amazed at that. And is there a particular demographic or age group of people who are buying the Fulfill Protein Bars? Definitely. Um, it's teenagers... Uh, 20-somethings, 30-somethings that are buying the full fills and then you've the older generation that are buying the more traditional bars of chocolate. Okay, okay. All right. So the younger generation, more health conscious, more energy conscious, more protein conscious going for full fill. The older age group are still going with the Twixes and the Mars bars and the dairy milks. Pretty much, yeah. That'll be it, Neil. Could I just ask you before you go, and this is slightly off topic, but it does involve what they sell in, in supermarkets and shops like your, your good self. This vape ban that's being proposed, you know, the crackdown on selling vapes to under 18s? Yes. Um, um, imagine you, you, you'd welcome that, although it will impact sales? No, it wouldn't impact sales on us at all, Neil. We made a conscious decision 
myself and my brother and our management team about uh, three years ago when these things hit the market that we weren't going to sell them to underage. Um, so we don't. We have a strict policy throughout all our stores that it's, um, it's over 18th. Um, but there are certain stores that are still selling them to, to under well to, to under 18s and it's still legal. It is, you see, I, yeah. I, I welcome that proposal that, um, that you know, that, that they that they will um, uh, make it illegal for under 18s. We certainly welcome that. Oh, so if this happens, it will happen before Christmas. It would be a ban on selling to anybody under 18. But also, um, I believe that they want, the Department of Health anyway, want to complete another outright ban on single-use vapes. Um, yeah, they've been trying to push this through for a while and I'd say there's a lot of lobbying against this. Um, I, I don't vape, I don't smoke, so I don't really... I don't really don't understand how, how they work, but if anybody watched the um, the documentary or the, the the show on Netflix there about the jewel vapes, it would certainly make you think twice about uh, taking them. I don't know. What's that, that about? Is. No, tell us a little bit about that, if you will. It's a film. Uh, sorry, no, I can't remember the name at the top Doesn't of my matter. head. Doesn't matter. Just the gist. It's a series basically about a product called Jewel, J U U L, which was uh, developed about uh, ten or fifteen years ago by an American. Um, uh, postgrads from Stanford. Uh, he was the kind of guy that really started the whole vaping thing, but the product itself was highly dangerous and there was people got very sick from it, got cancer, etc. And um, that product was subsequently withdrawn. So this is kind of a morph of that. Like now we've got Elf Bars and Lost Marys and other different types. Um, you've got Hale, you've got loads of different Loads of producers, of, yeah, of liquid, yeah. yeah loads yeah, of them, yeah, yeah. They've all jumped on the bandwagon now. Um, but that was the original one. So if anyone has, is bored any night and they want to watch... Um, uh, something on on Netflix. That, sorry, no, I just can't think of the name. Maybe it doesn't matter. All I wanted was yeah. the gist of the show. In fairness, they are talking about a ban on single-use vapes. They're also talking about a ban possibly on different flavours. Um, they're also looking at the colouring and the tra- attractive signage. Remember, they did all that with fag boxes, as you know. They made them, um, you know, they used to be very funky and sexy, but now, of course, they look awful, and it's an effort to discourage, isn't it? It is, Neil, but to be honest, I don't know does it work because we're still selling as many cigarettes as we did in years gone by, um, it's wow. you know it's sixteen fifty now. Imagine for a pack of cigarettes. And I was just uh, talking to one of the guys working for me, guys in Serbia, and he said that in his country it's about five euros a pack. Wow! And I think uh, it was probably around two thousand and seven when it was around five five euros back in Ireland. So like times have changed, but unfortunately you're going to have people that are going to smoke. Um, regardless. But yeah, but hold on a second. That's that's a very interesting point, a few of them. So a fiver in Eastern Europe, 16.50 here, by virtue of the fact that the vast majority of the price of the box of cigarettes is tax and excise, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think about uh, 80, 80% goes to the government, 10% goes to the manufacturer, 10% goes to but the But they must be seriously thing. smoking their heads off in Eastern Europe then, if they're still that cheap, yeah? I'd say so, yeah. yeah. I believe it's even as low as four euros in Poland. And their health it's system must be, well, I suppose we are, we're, we're no poster boys with our health system. But, you know, if you look at, say, for instance, you're saying that you're still selling as many cigarettes, but are you selling them to a different age group? I mean, are they are the younger people buying fags? They are, yeah. It's all demographics that are buying cigarettes from young right through to old. It's, it's pretty much uh, across the board. Right, so wouldn't you be better off giving those young people a vape? Uh, look, you're talking to the wrong person here now because I don't smoke, but I would, I would, 
I, I don't think I'd recommend vapes, to be honest, Neil. Uh, having, having watched that show on Netflix, I, right. I just wouldn't. But you I wouldn't want, recommend cigarettes either. I would have just thought that the people that were smoking cigarettes would have been older generations, that young people, by and large, wouldn't touch them because they know of the health implications and they're also big into diet and fitness and exercise. Um, and if they were going to do something to get a nicotine kick, they'd go for a vape. But just saying that, like, teenagers and 20-somethings are spending sixteen fifty on a packet of fags. Yeah, they are absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, I went uh, to um, the South County there not so long ago to watch a, a rugby match. And I was with a couple of guys. And next thing was a halftime. I was sitting there on my own. And they were all gone out to the smoking area. So, you know, it's, it, and I'm in, I'm in my 40s. And, 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 you know, you've got guys in their 30s and their 20s. And uh, there's, there's, you know, there is a cohort. Ah, uh, yeah, Kevin, I think they fast. mightn't necessarily be smoking out there. It's a great place to meet and have a bit of crack and apparently that's where the real fun happens out there I'm told <laughs> did you know that and it's a great place to meet the opposite sex or whatever sex you're into it's a good social occasion apparently the smoking area in a bar <laughs> I suppose maybe I should have joined them although I would have woken up the following day stinking stinking absolutely <laughs> stinking right carry on listen you've been great covered a lot of ground this morning so that would okay. be fulfill and I think that the other bars that are doing well I'm also told are, are called kind bars are they kind yeah, kind are a big, a big one as well. Yeah, they're they're a big. Yeah, but fulfill really are are, are stealing the march. All right, my friend, you learn something new every day, Kevin Harley. Thank you so much from the CBA and also he's got centre stores across the city and the suburbs. Your thoughts on that, actually, with regards to chocolate bars, those that are here, those that are gone, and indeed the proposed banning. It needs to get through the doll, and it probably will. It needs to get through the Shannon, and it probably will. It needs to be signed off by the president. <laughs> and you never know what could happen when it goes to Oris and Uteron. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, with regards to vaping and selling vapes to under-18s, the big problem here is that if you never smoked, then you should never start vaping. Isn't that the deal? Um, I can't understand how they were ever legal in the first place. Uh, the reason for it, of course, was the original reason behind vapes was to encourage people to give up um, smoking cigarettes and all of the thousands and thousands of chemicals in the tobacco. Body says it's not selling vapes to the under 18s it's the older ones Neil who are buying them for the younger ones. They should also be given the very same fines and jail time if caught. They are like the head shops from years ago popped up all over the place and caused so much damage to kids that were then shut down when it was too late. Shut the vape shops and stop the selling of vapes now. There's no control and no due care from these shops to youngsters. They don't care. It's a sale. It's a sale. It's money. It's money and another victim. And um, well, you could you should be saying that then about 20, fag, 20 or 25 bucks of fags or indeed people that sell booze in an off-license or a pub. Um, I mean, an adult should be able to make up their own mind if they're old enough, particularly if they're trying to kick cigarettes. Nicola says they should be banned for everyone. They are worse than cigarettes, she says. And Rob says, good, it's long overdue. The responsible vape shops have never sold to children and this will just clean the market up a bit. And Rob says, I have a friend who was a very heavy smoker. He gave up cigarettes uh, and took up vaping. This fella has a sister who is a doctor and she told him to stop vaping and go back on the cigarettes. Now that speaks volumes to me. I think it's an astonishing thing if it's true that his doctor's sister says give up vaping and go back to cigarettes. I'd love to hear more about that, even if we maybe 
decided to have a look and see if that was the medical advice that has been given by GPs across the country. I doubt it somehow, but anyway. Anyway, what time we got? Text 0868 106. We'll come back to all that, I promise you. But I'm mad keen to catch up with Jack because we spoke together, not quite sure when. Um, at the time, he was on the air with me. We were talking about his life, which was quite chaotic for a long time. I believe he was clean and he was sober and, you know, sorting out his life. But he continues to drive on and go from strength to strength. So I just want to update with him. Jack, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my man. I don't have the details here on the screen about our last chat. When was it? Um, geez, it must be, I'd say, a year ago now, okay. yeah. Uh, there was there, thereabouts. I think they're telling me now that it was about last May. Um, what were we, we you, you were into all sorts of hard drugs back in the day. Crack cocaine, benzos, whatever you could get your hands on. Started with marijuana, I think. But when we spoke last year, you were clean, right? I was, yeah. I was just coming up on a year clean. So it's about a year and a half ago now. Um, yeah, you had on about the benzos again about people abusing them and I suppose I just came on and spoke my opinion on them with you. And since we spoke, um, you continue to improve every single day of every single week, getting stronger and more cognitive and more focused and everything like that, yeah? I have, yeah. It's, it, you know, it's not easy. Anyone that says it is is a liar, but you suppose you just have to take it one day at a time. So how did you get clean? Um, I suppose my life had been hectic. It had been a chaos for 10 years and I suppose... The last couple of, I suppose, year before I got clean, I wanted to get clean, but I suppose I couldn't do it. Um, it got to the point where it was either suicide, an overdose, or get clean. Um, I could see it coming, and I, I suppose I had a breakdown one weekend after being out all weekend, and I said, this is it to my parents. And I suppose they'd heard it a hundred times over, you know, this is it, this is it. But I suppose I believed it myself, um, that this was the last time. Every time I'd say it, I believed it, but... I just couldn't get a grip of it. I couldn't get get clean. Um, so I reached out to Don O'Leary in the Life Centre. Ah, the there you go. Life that was Center. it. That was the man. Um, yeah, I was a past pupil, but I had been gone for many years. We stayed in contact. Don is more of a friend now, I suppose. Don is um, Don is family. He's not even a friend. Don um, reached out. I reached out to Don. Don put me in contact with the right people um, to help me, the best people he could think of. Um, and I suppose that began my journey to recovery day one when I sat in Dan's office that was it he put me in contact with so many different people the in-house counsellor and the life centre even though I wasn't a pupil until he could get everything set up um, and from there on out that was my that was my journey to begin okay. I went into fellowship house must have been great for you and also for your family the whole family of course could watch you improve and hope that you would go from strength to strength you have now I, mean, I love the story about the catch-up cafe um, this is your business, right? Uh, yeah, look, um, back to the life centre, I suppose. I always had a passion for cooking. I wasn't one to sit in the classroom as I suppose I was in addiction throughout my school life, so I couldn't sit still. I never could focus. And instead of sending me home, Don was get into the kitchen and get hands on. Um, so I always had a passion for cooking from then. Once I came out of treatment, this place um, kind of landed at my feet. How, how did that happen? We, I, I used to eat here regularly. Um, the previous owner were going moving back to Turkey when the earthquakes happened um, to look after family and stuff. Um, and I jokingly said, "Ah, geez, let me know if you're selling." Like, and they did. They came to me, <laughs> but uh, I suppose it was a bit of a shock. Like, it was a bit of a joke. And then I suppose I said, "Put your money where your mouth is, pal." <laughs> yeah, and I said it to my parents. I suppose I was in no financial position after ten years of drug abuse and everything. I suppose to to front the money so my parents believed in me my mother gave up her job as a home ec teacher and my father funded 
me being able to to open my own place and make my dream come true. I suppose they believed in me enough that they were able to help. Do you know something? I think that's an amazing thing for parents to do. You would expect any parent to dig deep if they had the money. But at the same time, in your situation, they were taking a risk that this could be dead money, they'd never see it again, this was all a pipe dream, and you'd fail. Of course, yeah. Look, I suppose I, uh, at any point I could have relapsed in people's eyes. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not definitely you stay clean. Um, it, it's about focus and term- determination, I suppose, and taking one day at a time. Um, but they did. My parents have always believed in me through my 10 years of addiction when everyone else left. They stopped by me. How old are you now? Me. I'm 24 now. I'll be okay. 25 in December. Okay, so like just over two years ago, you were in the throes of very, very serious problems uh, with crack cocaine and benzos and all sorts of tablets. And two years later, you got your own cafe. Yeah, so like that's all down to my parents. They just completely believed in me. Like I had loans out with banks, credit unions, borrowing our friends. I was in no financial position to be able to front it myself. So I was. I suppose I'm very grateful. And were these loans that you ran up during your your addictions? They were, yeah. And were I these loans just been. to feed your habit? Yeah, they would have been. Yeah, flying to Amsterdam. I was working in Dublin. I was earning very good money but still using, and I suppose because I was on good money, they were throwing loans at me at a young age and stuff. Go away. What were you doing um, in Dublin? What were you working at? I was in construction. Um, oh, I was right. in construction in Dublin, yeah. but I suppose the money was very good. Um, I was at over 1,100 euros a week. Go Some away. weeks I was pulling with over time. But, but I suppose but, I, I paid on a Friday and borrowed 50 quid on a Sunday off my father. To get why? How would you life. shift? How could you shift 1,100 euro in 48 hours? Uh, cocaine, alcohol, cannabis, I suppose, just partying, not giving a care. Oh my God, I mean, you think that the penny would drop at some stage, like week after week after week, that's an enormous amount of money. Yeah, um, it was, and I'm constantly behind on drug debts, other drug debts, trying to pay a base, using a bit to party today. I suppose it was a vicious circle of owing money, borrowing money, getting take, paying for drugs up front, different dealers... I suppose it was just con- a constant vicious circle of constant. Were you dodging people? Like, was there a threat? Oh, there would have been. There would have been. Yeah, there would have been dodging people, threats constantly, turning my phone off, changing my number. Um, it was just a horrible lifestyle. But I suppose when you're in the rust, it's hard to get out of it. Wow, what an incredible change! And in that that in the space of like two, two and a half years, you'd never want to go back to that old life. You wouldn't. Oh, no way. I don't think I could cope. Um, now that I've seen the better side of life, it would be very hard to go back with the enjoyment I have in life now between my kids, partner, parents, everything. You know, it's, um, I couldn't imagine living that, like putting them through it again. I yeah, just just think of when you were saying to me before that your mum would uh, set the alarm and every 15 minutes through the night she'd get up to check and see if you were still alive. You'd vomited yeah. and got sick and choked and died. Imagine that. Yeah, it was horrific for her. Like, I, I suppose you don't see it when you're in addiction yourself, but when you come through it, you look at what it puts... Like, addiction isn't only me, it's the family around you. It suffers too, like... No, Anna, but I think your story should come as um, a you know, reminder to people that you know you can get better, you can move on, and you can thrive. So you have the Ketchup Cafe in Kenturk. Um Is that home for you, Kenturk? It is now, yeah. Cove was originally my home, but my parents moved out there many years ago thinking... It would help get away to rural Ireland, but I suppose drugs are rife everywhere, no matter where. I'm afraid, man. They are. They are. I'll ask you about that before I before I finish. But so you are you having an official opening? How long are you? How are you long in in there and Um, taking over? We're actually we're actually open with the cafe six months, um, and it came around. We're actually launching our own coffee brand. um, (laughs) Good man. 
So that's that's happening Friday at 7pm. Jeez, my brain went blank. Yeah, Friday at 7pm. Um, we were looking for a new coffee brand in the cafe. We didn't know where to go. We started research online and we came across the lads in Soma. They make good um, coffee. Soma make good coffee. So yeah. What they did is they agreed. They kind of offered to roast my own blend, flavour and oats. It's all new to me. I'm still learning, but they've branded my own coffee with me. They've designed my own brand, so which is the recovery blend. It's right. called Taking One Day at a Time. Um, <laughs> I love and that. the idea behind it, I suppose, is to bring awareness. If it can get on the shelves and someone sees it and go, oh, geez, what's the story behind that? Let's read the package. Um, yeah, I know what's behind it. The man who's behind it, with the help of Soma, two and a half, three years ago, uh, owed money to everybody, was a serious addict to crack cocaine and to benzos. His life was in turmoil. Now he's got a cafe and he's got his own coffee brand. Brand. That's what it's about, isn't it? It is. And I suppose it, even with the coffee brand, my hopes with it is to get rid of the stigma behind even not just addiction, mental health, being open to talk about all aspects that people find, oh, geez, I can't talk about that. My story is addiction and recovery, but in the cafe and through the coffee brand, we're open to talking about everything. You come into the cafe, you never know what the, the topic of discussion is. It could be anything, like, you know, mental health, addiction, and I suppose just... My story is addiction, but we want to open it up to everyone to be able to speak about everything, you know? Just before I let you go, because it's only 10 or 11 short years ago since you were 13 years old, did you start Did you start on cannabis or marijuana? Did you start it was some- cannabis, yeah. Okay. Um, and was it a pal of the same age of you that gave it to you or something like that? I'm just wondering how you started. Um, yeah, it would have been someone of the same age that would have had a bit. I can't even remember where we got it or anything, Jesus, many years ago, but yeah a friend of the same age and we said geez yeah we'll try this and I suppose that then we went looking for it getting money keeping lunch money finding the money selling Playstation games we had um, and it just progressed from there to daily use um, and then I suppose you realise cannabis isn't so bad people always make out these drugs are horrible and bad when you're younger you know growing up and then I suppose you start experimenting with others when you realise geez I didn't turn into a psychopath after smoking cannabis so I'll try this yeah yeah I suppose it just opens up a whole new world. And I suppose when you start buying cannabis, as it, I suppose that's what they call it, a gateway drug, most dealers don't just sell one drug, do they? So I suppose you're going to buy your cannabis, and I have this, I have that, you know. Oh, is that what happened with you? You would go happy with the cannabis, but your man or your one would be saying, you want to try this, this is new, I can try it, you can have um, this for free, you might like it, off you go. Yeah, I suppose other friends going, you know, he sells tablets too. I got a few Xanax off him, you should try them. They're the same as smoking weed, but I suppose they get you, you know, that kind of way, it just gets you a bigger stone and stuff like um, just things like okay. that when you're younger yeah. and, and like, trying different things and experimenting. So if it was bad then, would you agree with me that it's a hell of a lot worse a decade later now? Oh, definitely. I'd say it's so much more accessible, even Snapchat now, Instagram, social media selling posted to your door. Um, it's just, it's crazy, you know. I was only speaking with someone the other day about it, the way you can get it posted to you from all over the world now online. And it's not even the dark web anymore. It's just Snapchat accounts, Instagram accounts. Um, social media is a massive problem for young people. I suppose all young people are. There's big talk at the moment now, yeah, but there's big talk at the moment with the People's Convention to legalise or decriminalise at least some drugs. Where would you be on that, finally? I mean, I guess guess we will see it for cannabis, but maybe they're talking about your own possession of cocaine, for instance. Legalise it. Look, I suppose my view on it is I think it should be, but only for the sake of addicts not being locked up, people that have a problem 
that want you know that have to use to survive I suppose that I, I suppose I wouldn't I don't know I suppose I haven't really thought of it but I suppose I would in a way just to stop addicts being I suppose locked up and stuff their, yeah. their own possession yeah. stuff yeah. when yeah. they're they're suffering I know what it's like to suffer I know what it's like to have to go get it and have it in your pocket and maybe be stopped and paranoid you know what I mean yeah I yeah. suppose there's there's different stories or ways I suppose it could be done okay well your story is an important one it's a story of celebration well done on catch up cafe be looking forward to tasting your recovery blend of coffee from soma um, and do stay in touch because it's a super story. And anybody, what can I just? I know I'm driving you crazy with questions, but do you do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or what are you doing in the cafe? Yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, I, I suppose we do certain dinner items. We have sandwiches all day breakfast. Um, all our meats are supplied by McCarthy's Butcher. Good. I suppose I've had great support from the community as well. I suppose I'm on a learning curve, and people's knowledge that I didn't know different products like MPO Sullivan sent a rep down to us and they completely changed everything for me with my knowledge I suppose they've just guided me I suppose they've extensive knowledge in, in different businesses you know and I'm new to it and it's just been great that they're able to give me I suppose the guidance there's not many people will and they're open to giving me the guidance to help me grow yeah that's right man yeah. you're an open book in more ways than one congratulations Jack have a good one great story I hope people Thanks take inspiration much. from it all the best Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Thank you. By email on vapes and the selling of vapes, am I the only one that is shocked by Circle K's normalising of vapes towards children? There's nothing illegal at the moment, lads, until legislation changes to sell vapes to an under 18-year-old. Anyway, back to the email. It was bad enough after the summer that ice cream counters... Uh, where where children, uh, which children were familiar with, were being turned into vaping counters instead. Uh, Advertising vapes in bright colours, appealing in children's eyes. But now, children's products such as match attacks cards, Malteser reindeers and Kinder eggs are being sold on the top of these counters. Um, And uh, why why are we, I think the email is trying to explain, um, you got the what would have been where the ice cream was. Now it's a big, huge cabinet for vapes. You got all of the different vapes and all of the different flavors. And on top of that, then you have your Kinders and your Maltesers. So it really is a colorful attraction for people. You got the vapes, and on top of them, of the vape machines and the vape counters, is sweets and chocolates. Why are we normalizing vaping to children? Why are vaping companies allowed to make their products? and advertise it so child-friendly. And finally, even if there isn't legislation yet in place, why do Circle K and others think this is morally acceptable? Look at the photograph. It'd be interesting to hear if this just bothers me or other people are irritated by it too. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't... I didn't look at the photograph closely enough um, until I read your email to realise that you are right. You have vaping products and loads of them in a huge, big, massive cabinet. And on top of the cabinet then is your chewing gum and your Maltesers and your chocolates and your Tic Tacs and all sorts of stuff like that. I would have thought that something like vapes, firstly, should be over 18 and that will happen, but that they should be separate and away from all chocolates and sweets as opposed to being attracted to a colourful cabinet like that. But do keep them coming. Uh, text 0868104106. And just finally then, uh, this side of the news, we were talking about rude customers, particularly in the lead into Christmas. Uh, Mary says, I worked 12 Christmases in pennies. I love Christmas, but a lot of people are very rude. I understand that they're under pressure to get stuff done, but surely that is 
their own fault because they leave everything for the last minute and expect to see everything on the shelves when it's way too late. So thank you for that one. And a final one then. Did I hear earlier in the week when you were talking about Mount Oval that you said that most of the children and the teens weren't from the Mount Oval area on Halloween night? Yes, that was stated. Um, Well, that's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. I recognise tons of them, and I know they're in and around the Mount Oval area. We were lucky there was no damage to our homes or businesses, though I did hear about issues regarding banging on doors and banging on windows and tearing down drain pipes. But there was one hell of a mess. You might let them know, the little darlings, that they left half a bottle of vodka in a bush that's still here, and they can come and collect it whenever they want from my front garden. They might pick up some of their cans as well that are still thrown around everywhere. I'm ecstatic that this is finally getting some attention on your programme, the carry-on up here. I'm saddened that it took this much, but I wouldn't look a, look a gift horse in the mouth. I've spoken to councillors, guardee and property management to cry and finally get something done in the Mount Oval area. When I'm not completely ignored, I'm told that it isn't their problem and I've been given the runaround constantly. But it's extremely disheartening and I feel like the people living around at the business park are expected to just shut up and put up with this carry-on. So thank you for that one. Text 0868104106 and we're back after 10. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. As we talk up and big up the best in Cork, Cork's Red FM are proud media sponsors for Cork County Council's Best in Cork Awards. Registration closes this Sunday, 12th of November, and the awards aim to recognise um, the contribution that businesses of all sizes make to the county, and they're awarded with these awards Best in Cork. And there are lots of different categories. You can register your business to be in with the chance of being recognised as the Best in Cork, but you need to do it before this coming Sunday, like Best Tourist Attraction would be a good one. Um, or best startup, which would be a business that maybe started in the last two years. Or a best small business that could have staff up to maybe 10. And they count for so much with regards to the Irish economy. Anyway, good luck with that. Best in Cork. You might win an award. Lots of texts on vaping. I dropped my kids to their first year disco last September and the amount of first year children that were vaping was absolutely frightening. I told my kids I would break their arms if I ever caught them with a vape. On vapes and cigarette prices, it makes no difference to a smoker or someone who vapes what the price is. It just takes more money out of their pockets and puts more money into the governments and big corporations' kitties. Chocolate bars getting smaller just takes more money out of people's pockets too and again puts more money into the government and big corporations. I can only speak for myself, but it says a lot when I'm still smoking and vaping as much now as I ever did in the last 15 years. It's made no difference to me. The only difference between now and then is that I used to be unhealthy, but now I'm unhealthy and broke. Text 0868104106. We'll do some more text in a minute. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. There was a lot of suspicion back in the day when the robo trees were put in on Patrick Street and the Grand Parade, and everybody was wondering would they be justified? Would it not make more sense just to plant trees? But in they went nonetheless with a cost of over €400,000, um, which was funding that uh, Cork City Council could have really spent on better things. We know that now because apparently they are useless and they've been proven to be useless. UCC went in and they did a study of them and they're not making a blind bit of difference to the atmosphere and the air on Patrick Street or the Grand Parade, even up close around the Robo Tree. So, as Owen English would say, they're very expensive places to sit and have a coffee or eat a sandwich. It's his story from the Irish Examiner. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Except that really, really kind of, it's not funny, sure it's not. 
Well, it's it's uh, it's four hundred and four thousand euro worth of bench, basically, Neil, and another seventeen thousand eight hundred euro to operate and maintain these things every year. So it's a. Uh, yeah, they're expensive benches. Um, this all started back kind of during COVID, Neil, when the city council was looking at ways of trying to uh, reimagine the city centre and try to encourage people back into the city. Um, and the government made several million euro worth of funding available for, for specific projects. And the council put forward a number of funding applications. Uh, now, they, they, got a, they got about 4 million euro out of the state funding and it was to be used for specific sort of stimulus programs to kind of green the city to encourage people to come back in after COVID. And they did a lot of good work. They put in parklets uh, into parking spaces where people now enjoy coffee. Uh, they did a lot of uh, cycle lane segregation. They put in the covered uh, umbrellas on Pr- Princess Street. Uh, they put in a lot of bicycle parking around the city. But one of the projects that they did, um, that they got money for, was these um, city tree devices, is their technical name. Um, and they're basically um, uh, sort of a, a bench with this big moss wall that's supposed to filter pollutants out of the air. And they plant three or four of them on Patrick Street, two of them on the Grand Parade. And pretty much immediately from, from the minute they were launched in August 2021, people were wondering what the hell were these things. And they were christened robo-trees. Scientists and UCC experts in atmospheric chemistry said, look, there's very little evidence to show that these things in these locations will, will make any difference at all to the air quality. And councillors, you know, eyebrows were raised about them because councillors weren't consulted on this. They asked for the data on whether or not these things were working. They said, look, we'll give officials a year to see if these things work. Uh, they waited a year. The data wasn't forthcoming. Uh, they waited several more months. And finally, uh, on Tuesday, members of a council committee, an environment committee, um, got data that shows that basically they're not working. They're, they're not having the desired effect. OK, and that was 170 pages of data of which it was to say um, that no evidence for improved air quality on the benches or in the immediate environs of the machines. Could I just, could I just ask you, was it an urban myth so that I heard back in the day that they actually had about 400 grand left over and they were panicked trying to find something to buy and they pitched for this? No, no, this this was put forward as a specific um, innovative proposal is, is how the City Council are putting it. Okay. They had done some research, they had looked at, you know, uh, their, uh, the EU did a very large study on what they call eco-technological projects back in 2020. Now, they spent 1.2, the EU spent 1.2 million euro looking at a range of different products like this. Uh, there was some scientific evidence to, to suggest that in some locations, in certain weather conditions, these city tree devices can have some impact, uh, but the ones that we deployed in Cork and, and where we deploy them, um, they've been nothing but a lightning but, rod for, but, for bad PR. But surely, on no matter where they're deployed, no matter what the weather is like, they should be able to register some discernible improvement. It didn't even do that. I mean, do they not come with a guarantee? Can we say that they're not fit for purpose? Give us our money back. Well, that's a good question. I don't know, do we still have the receipt? Um, what, what the science has shown is that when these things are placed in certain areas, and from what I've read, it looks as if they're placed in indoor areas, that they can create what the scientists call a clean air bubble. But it's, it's, it's like, if, if I was to stand there, Neil, and if you were to stand six feet away, 
I don't think you'd notice a difference. I don't think I'd notice a difference. I see. But what all of the experts were telling us, and we, we published these warnings from experts in UCC, uh, people like Dean Venables and uh, Emeritus Professor John Sado, like they were saying that to put these devices in this location in the middle of an urban area where you've got cars and trucks and buses driving past, they're just not going to have the impact that we think they are. Um, Do you want to hold on there one second, because you're actually quoting, I hope you can for a couple of minutes, because John Sado, who is the uh, Professor Emeritus, Emeritus, I should say, retired of chemistry at UCC, joins me by phone. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning, uh, Pre- Neil. Pre- Caveat Pre- Emptor. Pardon me? Breaking up. Caveat Emptor. Caveat um, emptor. What is that? The buyer beware. Oh, well said. Yeah. I read the small print, John, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. So are you are you are you of the are you of the opinion that these things should be just plugged out of the wall and dumped? I think that's a good possibility. I think really what should have happened was the council and the management of, of the council should have taken some, if any, scientific advice about doing something that was proven even at that time not to be likely to work. Uh, And it's not the right approach anyway. For cleaning up air, prevention is always better than cure. And it's better to ensure you've got clean air to start with rather than trying to clean it up. It's always so. So that would mean that you'd be more in favour of banning all pollutants from the city, including cars and trucks and motorbikes and lorries and things like that. Oh, yeah. I'm in for Cork City uh, to stop the release of the particulates, uh, which is what these robo-trees are supposed to do, that is, to capture them, and the nitrogen oxides, which um, initially the, the city council said that they would stop those as well, but then they withdrew... <laughs> because it's impossible, but you ban all fossil fuel transport modes, buses, trucks and taxis, and replace them with electrified public transport. And, and this is a particular problem for, for Ireland, of the Cork, you've got to ban the burning of all types of solid fuel. And maybe maybe plant more trees in the city. So that would be ideal if that ever happens, and perhaps it eventually will. But but for now, people feel really angry and annoyed that you know this yeah. is yet another example of public money being wasted and squandered on the promise of a salesperson. But these have proved to be useless. You made a comparison to the Middleton floods, didn't you, John? Yes. Uh, I, it, initially, when I was thinking about this this issue, I just could only think of King Canute trying to turn the tide back by sitting on his throne. And then I came up with the idea of, this is like having five sponges, bathroom sponges, in Middleton Main Street a couple of weeks ago to try to stop the flood and then wringing them out. Uh, and then what happens? That's what these, the, 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 the small amount of improvement they can possibly make. That is the robo trees. Uh, it, it's those sorts of of comparison, I think. So, that is is it your opinion then, as a professor emeritus of chemistry, that they should be plugged out and scrapped, and uh, an expensive lesson learned? Oh yes, um, and the the main lesson, as I've said, would be that uh, these, I suppose, of what I would call faceless bureaucrats, take uh, scientific advice. Um, the, the, and they also should, I think, 
strongly appear on your programme to defend themselves. The councillors really also... Oh yes, I have a, I have a couple of councillors ready to go, absolutely. But from a managerial point of view, I'd say it would be a snowball's chance in hell. But thank you, John, for you kindly coming on the air. I do appreciate it. Can I just pick? Can I just pick up on that thought actually with you, Owen English, with regards to, um, you know, we we the, this has happened. It, they were bought. Were, was there any third party like somebody from UCC involved in chemistry or environmental climate action stuff? A third party to ask advice about the purchase? Do you think? Well, they were certainly available to ask, but I, I don't think they were asked, Neil. I think that's what John is saying there. Um, I think uh, what what seems to have happened here, based on what I've been able to establish, is that uh, the City Council just looked at um, reports that had been done that are available online, um, that they sort of thought that these things might work as part of uh, the, the wider suite of things it was doing, that it was kind of it was innovative, it, it might work. Uh, that there was some scientific studies there that suggest that these things can work in certain circumstances and look, let's give it a lash, let's be bold, let's be brave, let's be innovative. But, you know, all of the experts that we have here in our own city were saying these things just won't have the desired effect here. Okay. And do you know of any other cities across Cork or Europe or Ireland or whatever the EU that have bought these things? Yeah, they're in they're in 14. Um, according to the report that councillors got anyway on Tuesday, these this type of device there, there are two different types of moss walls I won't go into the detail they basically are supposed to do the same thing but they've been deployed in cities in England and in uh, 13 I think or 14 cities across Europe but um, uh, John was telling me yesterday that they're actually being withdrawn from some cities in London because like Cork the, they just haven't been shown to have the effect that they were expected to have where they've been deployed. Very exasperating isn't it? Coming on the back of things like the Millennium Clock, the Covid ventilators that didn't work, the voting machines, the Dermot Gavin Garden which is up in uh, Fitzgerald's Park now the, all the money spent, 2 million spent already on the Cork Lewis project and nothing happening. The massive printer in the doll was too big for the room, all the electric buses in Dublin and they can't charge them I mean like, uh, like it's, who's, who's running the show? Yeah, it is very frustrating and I suppose, you know, 404,000 euro in Cork, I mean, that would get you a children's playground, it would get counsellors, oh, yeah, speed ramps, right. it would yeah, get them, right. yeah. you know, a load of stuff around the city. Now, City Hall will argue that the money they got for these things couldn't have been spent on things like housing maintenance, on footpaths, on roads, on playgrounds that it was specifically for, uh, you know, initiatives to get people back into town that they took a chance on these things but I think, you know, as, as has now been proven by this uh, study by UCC last year on the devices that we got the data on this week uh, they're just not having these city tree devices just aren't having the, uh, the desired impact <laughs> you're, being very kind. Be you're being very kind <laughs> they're useless I, you know, I'm, I, I'm trying to be kind of balanced here because you know in fairness to City Hall now I'm not here to defend them but in fairness to them they did a load of stuff during and after COVID to try and get people back into the city and this thing has really become a lightning rod for negative publicity. But yeah, because it's nearly half a million euro of waste. I mean, like, in it, typical exactly. fashion, there won't be any heads roll over this, so there won't. I don't think so, no. no. No, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Monday because the, the, the data on the machines was presented to a small committee on Tuesday. 
that report now goes forward to a full committee meeting or to a full meeting of the council next Monday night. Okay. So I'd say there'll be sparks flying there, Neil. Okay, I'll talk to Colin Keller in a few moments uh, as a Fianna Fáil councillor and former Lord Mayor. But appreciate the update. Thank you so much, Owen, as always. Owen English, uh, senior reporter with the Irish Examiner. Back after the break, your thobs on this a welcome text 0868104106 robo tree man talk to neil prenderville now 0818104106 corks red fm just before i let professor john sodo go interesting text coming in on this john you still with me you are um there's a question here saying um with regards to the professor talking about um getting rid of all uh, cars and trucks and vans how are goods and services going to get delivered to retailers if we ban all retail sorry if we ban all trucks and vans from the city center um you have to think these things through how would you answer that you probably would say electric is it yeah i mean i i, I didn't say uh and if i did i apologize saying oh whatever I, I i thought i said electric vehicles are the way forward having a a lewis scheme for cork cork in, in in some way is the way forward yeah you've got to get rid of the fossil fuel burning i don't know if you've got one more second for me but there's something i wanted to say is that one of the you might want to ask the councillor um the, the, one, one of the conclusions was to do another scientific study um in, in order to on the robo trees check it again is it that's what one of the conclusions was now if they want i i know these things from from past grant uh experience if they want to do something proper that's independently uh, 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 adjudicated, uh, a scientific program over one year, and possibly getting people in from the UK rather than having anyone at all uh, from Ireland, I estimate with overheads and everything else, one year to get your proper answer, um, at least one hundred thousand euros. Oh, maybe stop! No, forget euros. about it, man. Like if these if these trees, these robo trees, were effective, professor, the results would be jumping off the page. You know, the data would yeah. show it. It would show something. There's nothing apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it, yes, but what 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 gets me really is that the people who suggest these things again, the uh, faceless bureaucrats, have clearly no idea how much it might cost to do a monitoring program of that type properly that may, as you said, come out with the answer, well, there's there's nothing here. So that would be just throwing good money after bad. Can I just one final question for you? When you talk about, um, you know, electric being the future for transport, uh, is is that going to have devastating consequences for the environment, though, with regards to the battery and the battery life and the lithium and trying to dispose of them and mining for all of the different minerals that are needed? Is it like one hand robbing the other? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, everything we make, every technological progress, that we have um, has an environmental consequence. Everything. Um, the, the big one that we've had, we know that the technological problem has been the emission of carbon dioxide over the last 100 years or so, which is going towards the global warming. Um, we just have to take these things a little bit at a time, including one that is always damaging here in Ireland, people will not talk about, is you need nuclear reactors to supply energy and there'll be nuclear so if we had nuclear reactors john would we have very cheap utility power um it may not be cheap but it would be clean it would be i mean in the sense that 
it, it, it will not be contributing to global warming, which will eventually kill us off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, does the UK have still have nuclear reactors and nuclear power? Oh, oh yeah, and, 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 and more and more. They do more and more. It's, I mean, France, as you know, is is completely a, a, a wash. And why don't we? Why don't we like it if it would rule out uh, all sorts of the, the burning of fossil fuels? Why, why isn't it a runner in Ireland? I, I would ask the Green Party their view. Yeah, but it's been this way long before the Green Party was ever founded. Though I wonder why was it they found maybe it was too risky. Oh, oh no! no I, I think what it is is lack of scientific knowledge in the sense that people felt that nuclear war, nuclear bombs and nuclear energy um, were connected and that somehow, somewhere along the line, uh, there would be uh, a lot of problems with CND and uh, sort of various left-wing trolls. There was a lot Um, of protests, yeah, in Carnstall Point and places like that. And, And the world has moved on. We didn't know that much about global warming then. We didn't realise that carbon dioxide and methane were going to be such problems because of our fossil fuel burning. We do now. There's no excuse not to move on. You got that right. Thank you, as always. John Sodo, Professor Emeritus, uh, retired of chemistry at UCC. I want to say thank you to Councillor Colm Keller. He's been on, on hold for a while, but I'm sure you were as fascinated as I was, Colm, with what John had to say. Now, you, you, um, you were Lord Mayor during the RoboTree purchase and installation, weren't you, John, Colm? I was. Good morning, Neil. Okay. So, so, like, if, I'm well, thank you. And um, I'm just curious as to what information was provided to council before the 404 grand was spent? Yeah, I suppose, look, this has been a, a topical issue for about two and a half years now. Um, in my opinion, it's a masterpiece in unintentional comedy at this stage, Neil. Except it's um, not funny. I, yeah. You know, I, it's... It, it's um, Look, uh, what indications or what, what information was given to the elected members prior to their purchase? Uh, none. We, we weren't consulted uh, as, as public representatives or members of Cork City Council. Um, they were, the funding for this um, what came under the €4 million Euro provided through the NRA from central government um, for a, a number of things during the during COVID. July stimulus funding, um, like the likes of enhanced street cleaning, yeah. um, segregated cycling, yeah. The, the, the covered yeah little, uh, cafe, little cafe booths and seating areas yeah. no, all of yeah. that was fantastic and it was even better credit where it's due that it all stayed that everything like that well, is still there they didn't whip it out Ten percent of that four million was 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 applied for for these for the the, the city trees. No, look. So what genius? What genius came up with this? Did they get a brochure in the post and said, "Ah, oh, yeah, I love one of them"? Or what? Like, do you know? I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, and I don't think councillors, as we said, we weren't consulted on it. Yes, you know, we we my, my, I as Lord Mayor launched them and was handed a brief a half an hour before it with uh, a synopsis of what city trees were, and I had to familiarise myself with it and go out and as Lord Mayor launched you know um, a scheme within the city as a lot of Lord Mayors do and I've launched a number of other schemes and previous Lord Mayors and current Lord Mayor launches schemes every day of the week um, but this one uh, obviously rose a few eyebrows my own included um, I suppose look the premise of them uh, is, is 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 in the right place that you know we need clean air and clear strategy but I believe the due diligence on these could have been done a lot and then some yeah I mean uh, before before we went 
went away and spent, you know, at the time, 355000 to purchase them. We've, you know, 18 grand a year in maintenance and, you know, the powering of them. We're two and a half years into that, so that's, what, 45000 Yeah, it's over 404000 But a call yeah. now needs to be made as we continue with this charade and farce and keep on spending 18000 um, you know, running costs and looking after them because they do nothing or just call it a day and lick our wounds and learn from our losses. Yeah, look, I'm a member of that strategic policy committee meeting that got the briefing on um, Tuesday night and look, it was a 185-page report. Um, it was a fairly in-depth report. Um, I've put down three questions since uh, I've been Lord Mayor at Council to get the effectiveness of this along with other elected members. We were told time and time again that we need time to evaluate the data and we gave them the benefit of the doubt and we were furnished with a fairly comprehensive report but it's 185 pages of basically saying they don't work. So I said at that meeting on Tuesday night, it's time to pull the plug on these. Um, you know, we're spending 18 grand a year. That money could be diverted elsewhere within the council and used for, you know, to fix real problems. You know, you mentioned the, the, the 4 million that we got from the NRA. Uh, part of that was active travel. We had segregated cycle lanes. Footpaths fall under active travel, Neil. And like last year alone, we had a budget of €150,000 for the entire city for footpaths. So, you could have you know, fooled me with the amount of footpaths. I thought footpaths were having sex with each other. They were multiplying. <laughs> you, you, like, no, seriously, like, you had enough. You must have got money somewhere else because they're everywhere. Well, Double wide footpaths. There, there is, is site specific central government funding avenues for footpaths and for state road, for not for state road resurfacing, but for generated projects. But within the ward, like, we have. 350,000 euro to spend it, you know, in my ward, the seven councillors, so we can spend that within our ward as we see fit in the state's ward resurfacing and stuff like that. Yeah, again. but I mean, just let me give you a typical again, example of that. If, no, fo- okay, up, you know? okay, footpaths, that we need to be able to walk because the footpaths are costing us millions every year in compensation claims, right? Because yeah, people have. Have... Million last year, yeah. <laughs> but roads are atrocious. I was down, I don't know why it is. Uh, maybe, maybe it's intentional. Maybe Mahan is forgotten about, but many of the roads down there are the worst I've ever driven on. Uh, but yet we buy. Uh, um, uh, these robo trees for in around 350,000, €370,000, and they don't work. So that's an example of where the money could have been spent, right? Look, it's, it's, it's the public purse, Neil. So in regards to what budgets are allocated left, right and centre, it's all public money. And that money, in my opinion, could have been better spent, yes, 100%. Okay. You look at the likes of Lisbon now, they lease them, they have them on sale in return. London have given them back, the moss wall shut down, the moss even died inside one inside London. Um, we spent €2,500 on a report from UCC to effectively tell us but they don't work. They don't work, but should the company that makes them be investigated for selling a product? product under false pretenses uh, or what? They're a German company and, you know, every there's no barman in the country will say he pulls a bad point back, you know what I mean? So, you know, we, we could go down that route. I would be exploring their effectiveness to what they're advertising um, on on their website. Um, I would be basically saying that, look, this has been a massive learning curve and, an, and, an, and a really expensive learning curve. But the time has come now. Let's call a spade a spade. It was mentioned at the committee that we might go on for another six months and reassess them. And I said, like, are well, we going to have the same conversation in six months? time after spending the bones of an additional 10,000 to go to this conclusion. Yeah. We need to pull the programme straight away, find out what we can get for them. Can they be done in? So who'd buy off you? You'd never get a mug like us again. Nobody would touch them. 
you know, well, look, it was suggested that we would find a, a partner um, to um, to come on board to run them, but like that's they're not working for us. Like I don't think we're going to find any suitors anytime quick to, to no. take them well, on. Well, you can be damn sure to be way too cute in Cork County Council to touch them. I can tell you that the cuteness <laughs> of them. But just very, very finally, did the chief executive of Cork City Council sign off on the check for the purchase? I don't know. That information wasn't furnished to councillors. Um, now, look, this funding didn't come from our own budget. It came from central government. It came from so taxpayers' uh, money, Colm, and you know that. Taxpayers oh, no, 100%, budget. 100%. But in relation to who signed the cheque and who placed the order, I don't know. That information wasn't given to councillors. But, like, it'll go to council on Monday night, and I'm sure, you know, as one of the previous speakers said, there'll be sparks flying. And obviously, there will be sparks flying. Look, a mistake was made. The, the, the council needs to hold its hand up and say, look, yes, we tried something new. It's not working. But rather than going down a rabbit hole now and good money after bad it just needs they need to pull the plug on them okay. The end of okay let's see what happens Monday night thank you as always Councillor Cullum Kelleher the trees should be dug up in a nutshell they don't work uh, get rid of them Breda Forest actually tells me that there was 4 million euro compensation paid in the last 5 years due to accidents related to poor footpaths in Cork City 4 million euro we got James after the break hold on there James Cork's biggest conversation is here the Neil Brenderville show is on Cork's Red FM okay I think we're having a laugh about it but there's nothing funny about this kind of waste of money when it could be spent much more justifiably let's see if James can justify them James good morning <laughs> I'm not sure uh, and I, uh, just uh, what I just wonder is there's been so many trees cut down over the last while for the, the pedestrian crossing on the on the south link or the, the road to the tunnel and uh, there's also been trees cut down at COH which actually happened at a weekend which seems very strange and the proposal for the new bus route involved, I think, the cutting down of 200 trees. You better believe it. And there'll be more bus routes where they'll also uh, murder and annihilate other trees, particularly uh, out on the Douglas Road area, as well as taking out very important parking spaces for elderly people who go and use the chemist or people who want to go to the barber shop or people who want to go uh, and uh, do some shopping, whipping them all out how, for buses. How can that be justified? I have no idea, man. Robbing people's front mean- gardens tearing down hedges. Talk, it's vandalism. You talked about the tripping on, on the footpaths. I mean, there's some lovely footpaths out in Castletown Bear that there's nobody walking on, brand new. Yeah. You know, they've, they've, there was an underspend on the on the roads last year. Uh, I think it was three quarters of a billion was underspent on the roads. And yet you have footpaths built in towns that don't even use footpaths. And the funny thing about it is, with all the footpaths and walkways, more people are being killed on the roads. But if you, ju- just, just think about this, no disrespect to the company that made them, but if somebody came to you, and I'd have, I'd have some common sense, there are more people out there with a lot more common sense than me, but if somebody came to you and said, I'm going to sell you something, right, and it's a, it's, a, it's a bench that you can sit on, but it has these kind of filters that go up maybe eight or nine feet, and inside in them, it's not actually any kind of electronics or whatever. It's moss. It's actually living moss. And the fan pulls all the bowl stuff, and the moss traps it, and it pumps out clean air. Right? And I'm going to sell you six or eight of them, or six of them. It's going to cost you 350 euro. What would, like, anyone with a bit of cop on would say, I will, yeah. Like, think about well, it. The, the first thing they go is, can we justify it? Does it work? And the, the funny thing about it is when you say the moss died... It did in the UK. The moss died, it rotted, and they eventually just pulled the plug on them. Well, why did the moss die? Probably because of lack of CO2. Well, you see, if you had said, yeah, we'll trial them for you, and if we like them, we'll pay you for them, but we'll do it on a trial and retar- trial or return. But no, nah, I was here, signed the cheque. Thank you. Next. 
And I'm sure it'll work. It, said, it does what it says on the tin. It actually doesn't do what it says on the tin. It does actually then, nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. no, it does the opposite. It's an eyesore, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to cost a lot of money to take it down and I presume they'll have to pay up the contract that they signed up to now to get out of it as Who well. Who knows, man? Who knows? Somebody else's it money. It gets better, doesn't it? Yeah, thanks, James. Let me talk to Colm. Colm, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. You wanted to pick up on this conversation this morning. Yeah, um, I think the attitude of the councillors is contemptible to uh, the hardworking taxpayers of Cork. Um, myself, having worked in private sector and uh, with a, a well-known Irish airline, uh, I can assure you that there wouldn't have been one penny spent before correct due diligence would have been done. Don't you just love Michael? Happened. Don't you just love Michael O'Leary? I think he's great. <laughs> I think he's just he's running yeah, the country. Well, I can tell you. If we never run the country, we wouldn't be having conversations like this. Well, it's it's uh, well. There's a saying: a fool and his money are easily parted. And uh, when you have people who are unqualified uh, spending taxpayers' money, well, then you 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 know who the fools are. So, in the private and, uh, sector, you would never have. Um, uh, a faux pas or a decision like this, you just wouldn't. You wouldn't in yeah, the private uh, sector. Uh, absolutely not. Like I think, you, like you made some valid points there. That you know, why didn't you go to UCC? Why didn't you, you know, get some get some advice from from someone or somewhere that you can you can back up your decision to be able to to make that purchase? But this, I, I think, at the time when this happened and the, the the trees were put in Patrick Street, everybody was sort of thinking this is a bit. This is a bit strange. And now that it's all come out that they were a complete waste of money, you know, people need to be held to account. And that's one of the big issues that we have in, in Irish society at the moment is that there is no accountability from public servants. You want, to you want a head to roll on this one, not necessarily the person who signed the cheque, but who came up with the idea to buy it, is it? Or buy them? Um, no, well, it, I, like... It, what annoyed me about your interview with Colm Keller was just the laughing about it. Oh, sure, you know, it was a, you know, it was a mistake. Ha, 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 this type of thing. Mm, that is fair, just not an acceptable... No, but are you being fair to him, Colm? I don't think he was. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, well, you, you listen to it back and, you, and you'll hear it. But I, I fair play to him anyway for coming on uh, and talking to you. But there are people who need to be held accountable for stuff like this because too much of this goes on. And, you know, they just carry on regardless. And this is one of the big issues that we have uh, in the country at the moment is that their money is just being wasted hand over fist. And the time will come that we don't have money anymore. Well, I would and have the thought good times the council- are going to stop. Yeah, well, for some it has stopped and it stopped a long time ago. I would have thought that our local councillors would be those that would be keeping an eye on the public purse on our behalf and that everything would be run by those electric elected representatives before money was spent or plans were made and that they would ultimately vote on everything. Whereas actually, the more you look at it, um, you see that they are actually powerless and, and what they think and what they feel doesn't really matter. It's management matter. Well, whoever it may be, whatever process that they have in place, it clearly doesn't work. And uh, and the thing is, uh, like having reviews and and, and things like that, you, and it, it, it's sort of you know you go in and you do a review of yourself and you find yourself oh you know we made a mistake or whatever, but there's no accountability, and uh, there will be no lessons learned. And this is all sort of politician speak saying oh we we learn a lesson yeah, on this. Yeah, I agree. The reality of it is it's 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 from Michal Martin from what oh we we we've we've learned lessons. 
and the reality is is that there's never any lessons learned but if there was accountability if people if heads were rolling you can be sure that they'd be that um those mistakes w- wouldn't be more wouldn't be inclined to happen again yeah and point. um yeah. like like i said this is this is just it's reprehensible the attitude and let's just waste money and on on whatever and you look at their bit of a gimmick and remember the printer that they bought the enormous printer that became people were hanging their coats off it up in the doll because they couldn't get it had to go into storage because the room was too small for it you know about that one don't you you know about yeah, all well, the look, ventilators again, they like bought the tea, for covid that didn't work you, you, you can be sure if you divided the cost of that printer between the amount of TDs that are inside in the Doyle or inside in the, the Oireachtas, the people who are representatives in the Oireachtas, and you divide that million by, by those representatives and you took it out of their pay packet, I can assure you that that mistake wouldn't happen again. Okay, but I'm just kidding. But, no, but, but, but it does happen again. It happens over and over and over again. They had the Millennium yeah, because that didn't work. There was the, oh, remember all the COVID ventilators? Like, I think that was millions yeah. were spent. And they were useless. Yeah. You had the voting machines. Remember them? They didn't work. Dear McGavin's garden. Somebody, I, I, somebody said to me it was three hundred and fifty thousand for the garden. I thought it was north of six hundred thousand. But anyway, um, you know, electric buses that they have up in Dublin, but they don't have anywhere to charge them. You know, the robot trees. Yep. It's it's the public's money time after time. You know, the, like this this the, the Millennium Sphere. You know, that big shaft of metal that goes up through O'Connell Street. Awful, ugly thing. Like uh, waste of money. Yeah, and look, you know, one of the one of the things that we could be doing more with around the city are litter bins, you know, pedestrian crossings. Bins. There's all this money being wasted on 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 cycle lanes, but there's no, you know, right of way for pedestrians. Where are all the pedestrian crosses and traffic lights for people who are walking? But of course, we want to build cycle lanes because that's a Green Party policy to waste more taxpayers' money on. They're going to use the four hundred. use the four hundred grand on um, doing up uh, Shandon and the Butter Exchange and around the Firk and Crane there, couldn't they? Make it uh, into the, uh, uh, an look, absolutely they're, 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 kick-ass they're so, tourist location. <laughs> There's so many things and you can add and you put you, you add on all those things that are on the list and the common theme amongst all those things that you talked about, Neil, is the lack of accountability right. from the people who made those decisions right. and and, uh, and wasted that money. So, Thank you, James. You know, things you. have to change. Thank you. Regards to you all in France. Let me talk quickly to Colm, if you don't mind. Have a good one. Au revoir. Uh, Colm, good morning. Sorry, that was Colm. Take care. It's John I want to talk to you. Have a good one, Colm, in France. John, you're just side of uh, 11 o'clock. Your thoughts? Hi, John. Hi, Neil. Um, I'm just talking about the uh, automatic toilets in every town and village in Ireland. And uh, they're enormous. They're very expensive. There's no accountability on them. And I'd love to know how much it's costing Cork County Council or any other council. How much is it costing to service and rent and lease those from the French company that really... Uh, promote them at every convention, council's convention that ever was. Well, yeah, but they probably the only difference is they probably work, though, do they? Not necessarily. An awful lot of them are out of commission. And well, wait a second now. I got an email. Can't find it now because I get millions of them. But I got one in there last week saying that um, if you go down to Inchigila, I think it is Inchigila, um, they've got yeah. the most that they've got the most fantastic public toilets. What is that noise? And they said the emailer said that if Inchigila Urban District Council were running Cork City Council, it would be a much better place. <laughs> anyway, that was that's the gist of the email. You know, people people are yeah. entitled as as a, as a as a right to have access to public toilets. You know what I mean? Correct, correct. Yeah, but these a lot Sorry. of these don't work. My apologies. It wasn't in Chigil. It was Timaleague. My apologies to yeah. Timaleague. Anyway, go ahead. 
a lot of these don't work, you know. Do they mean they don't flush or what? Well, you know, there's a, a lot of, you have to go in, you put in your coins, they flush themselves out, and, you know, they'll be serviced all the time. Uh, oh, as well, yeah, I think I actually used one of those down in Fountainstown. Is the one in Fountainstown? Quite possible. That worked. And the whole interior of it then when you leave self-flushes and self-washes and it showers and disinfects the whole unit. It's brilliant. Yeah, but we, ne- we never got a cost for them. Like what, okay. is costing, what is costing? That's the thing. All right, my man. Thank you for that. Actually, thank you. I found the, I found the email. I was down in Timberleague when Nature called me. To my wonderful surprise, they have very good public toilets down in Timberleague. They have three cubicles and a long urinal in the gents and I presume the ladies is as good, if not better. I don't think a urinal would work in the ladies. Uh, then I went to wash my hands and lovely, jubbly hot water came out of the tap. Then it struck me. Timaleague has a population of 361 people and they can afford to do this. Cork City Council has a population of well over 200,000 people paying tax and not one decent public toilet in the city centre. On my calculations, if Timaleague Council were running Cork City, we would have 550 public toilets... <laughs> around the city by now. I'm not looking for that number, but if you had one, maybe, one good one in the city centre and hire a few full-time security staff and cleaners to look after it, the wages we pay these people are only buttons anyway. So we can't, so I can't see it breaking the bank. After all, the government could afford to buy an artificial tree for big money. Why can't we think of the elderly for once in the city? Yeah, you'd never find a government now that would actually cut down a tree. Uh, what have you got? Do that yourself, because I have a notion, but I don't be making a fool out of myself. There's something there on Trepentrasheen. What is it? Uh, uh, sorry, I'm just squeak this down here. Yeah, um, it was Kieran McCarthy, the current Lord Mayor, um, speaking about the cost to public toilets, because you were talking there about how expensive public toilets are. Um, and he was saying that a council executive had told him that a state-of-the-art toilet with a number of facilities, including changing and disabled spaces and all that, is €500,000 to build. So about the cost of a robot tree, maybe? Maybe um, five hundred thousand euro. And uh, then, stop, will you? And then it says, what, what, "Hang a second. You, you get, you get two, three, you get, you get a four bedroom house with that, <laughs> and, cha- and, you, and, and change out of a hundred yeah, grand." That's they're being told they're for, being t- for one toilet, for one, uh, for one toilet, and then it costs a hundred grand a year to uh, sorry, a hundred grand every three years to maintain it. That's, that's, oh that's what he's God. being told. The public sector are been screwed, aren't they? They just How? lie down and they just take everything. How does a public toilet cost five hundred? Because it doesn't, euros. man. It just, you could put a wall up against something. It doesn't cost that. Privilege. It just doesn't cost that. That's the problem, you see. It doesn't. But in the public sector, what are they doing? They're just saying, okay. Do they do any kind of bartering or back and forth or saying, no, we want a better price? You know, they do try and get the prices down but, in any way. But that was, like, this article is Triper Regime, which is 2021. I have another article here in the Examiner dated 2017, which says, uh, despite the cost of, this is about a public toilet known as Bui uh, down in Cargilline, and Seamus McGrath saying that it's cost, the cost the building and maintaining it is between 20 and 30 grand a year. So how has it gone from 20 grand to 100 grand? You pay to use them, do you? Yeah, you pay to use those, but it says it costs Cork City Council up to 16 euro 50 for every person who spends a penny in a public toilet. It doesn't. That's that's what the examiner says. It can cost 16 euro. It can't. Like, every time somebody uses the loo, it doesn't cost the council 16 euro 50. People aren't aren't vandalising them. They're just peeing or having a poo it's not 1650 to fix that. Previously, figures have shown that super lose 
I don't know what a Superloo is. Does it have a big S on it and a cape at the back or something? I don't know. Like, it's got a big S pin, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Other parts of the county cost €12 Euro per use. It doesn't. This is what the examiner are telling us. This but is they, they uh, David Lennon. Paper never refused ink. It doesn't. It can't be. It's got to be a lie. It can cost €16.50 Euro 50 to clean a bathroom, a public toilet, after every to person. Go for it, it, just, just, it, just, it just It just makes, makes no, no sense. sense. Anyway. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> there you go. Show, Red FM. Hope to have an opportunity on Monday's programme to Ralph Regal, talk to Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent who was out in Carolina covering the case of uh, Molly Martins and their father Tom. And they were both led away yesterday, Molly in tears, sobbing in tears, in handcuffs after being jailed, re-jailed for the second time for killing the Irishman Jason Corbett. Now, the papers this morning have it in quite some detail and the, the headlines of words like monster. Uh, a term that's been used by uh, the late Jason Corbett's children. They have now said that even though they were very young at the time, they were being coached. They were being told what to say. They were in fear. Now as grown adults, of course, they see things completely different and see Molly Martins as nothing but a manipulator, a monster. And what you see is not the real Molly Martins. So they go back to jail for anything between, I don't know, seven and and 40 months. Um, There's a breakdown in the sentence between the two of them. Uh, They'd already spent like 44 months in in jail, so uh, they're guilty of manslaughter. It's not not a very long sentence for the taking of a life and the horrible way in which uh, Jason Corbett died. But this is just a little section because I thought Barry Roach, or sorry, talk to Barry Roach later on a different topic. I thought that Ralph Regal was very powerful uh, on Morning Ireland this morning um, on the sh- um, it's, it's, it's gone from the screen anyway here it is let's have a listen it fell to Judge David Hall to find the truth of what happened he said he had strained every fibre of his training to find the truth yeah he, he's a former prosecutor and he's a very clinical measured man and if I'm honest Mary I think we were doing straw polls before the, the, the case yesterday and I think the consensus certainly amongst the Irish media was that the Tom and Molly Martins given the evidence over the previous two weeks and given the, the extraordinary nature of their claims was that they were probably likely to walk free but you could see that he was a former prosecutor and actually what the judge cited in his sentence summary were the things that didn't really feature in the case, he honed in on the reports that he had studied and singled out what he described as holes in the story that had been presented to him. Key things that just didn't make sense to him. The first thing he highlighted was the fact the extraordinary contrast in injuries between Tom and Molly Martins and Jason Corbett. He looked at Tom and Molly Martins and said, look, these folks walked away virtually uninjured. Jason Corbett was carried out on a stretcher. A pathologist could only estimate the number of blows. He said there was at minimum 12 blows to Mr. Corbett's skull. His skull was shattered so badly from the metal baseball bat and the concrete paving slab that pieces of his skull were actually falling out on the examination table as the, the, the coroner or the pathologist was preparing for his post-mortem. He also noted Molly Martin was, was wearing a very fine, delicate filigree bracelet. She admitted she was wearing it 
all the way through this life and death struggle. It was caught, it was caught on her arm in photographs immediately after the fatal assault, but it wasn't damaged. It wasn't torn. It wasn't dented. Mm-hmm. Similarly, her clothing wasn't ripped. Her clothing wasn't torn. And probably one of the most extraordinary um, things that he noted was he said, you know, this man, Tom Martins, was hailed as a pillar of the community, mm-hmm. a man who had devoted his life to defending the United States through his work with the FBI and as a counterintelligence operative with the U.S. Department of Energy. But he said even rookie police officers are taught if you find yourself in a threatening position or a violent confrontation, the very first thing you do you call for backup. Mm. A very what methodical sentencing, Ralph, and as you say, he did send them back to prison for a minimum of seven months. What about the family, the, the Corbett Lynch family afterwards? They uh, just made a brief statement. They appealed for privacy. They did. They appealed for privacy, Mary. And the old thing that they said was that, you know, while they are disappointed, I mean, they had appealed for the maximum sentence to be applied. That would have been somewhere in the range of between six and nine years. That didn't happen. But I think the very fact that Tom and Molly Martins have gone back into custody, I think they see as a victory. Okay, that's a uh, very powerful interview this morning with uh, Ralph Regal um, on Morning Ireland. I hope to talk to him on Monday but uh, there was one stage during the trial, I think you'll agree, that when we were hearing a lot of, a lot of evidence from the defence, Molly Martins and, and Tom Martins, now bear in mind, these are two killers, like these have been, they've been found guilty of killing somebody, not murder but manslaughter so they're killers the confessed killers, but the the twisting of the evidence, of course, was shining a very negative light um, on, um, you know, the man that they actually killed. And I thought that was interesting because even, you know, some of us were thinking, oh, hang on a second, maybe maybe your man wasn't as, as lily-white as he was being painted. But of course, this was all just manipulation, you know, and, and, and Jason was a nice guy and he was a good dad and it was he was just a lovely guy. It was manipulation by herself and her, and her father to twist the story and make him to be the big evil monster. Whereas the papers this morning call it uh, that she and he were the monster. But it was interesting, Jonas Bird and Jay Vanoy, the defence lawyers for Molly Martins, Corbett, um, and her father, Tom Martins, well, they spoke to journalists outside Lexington Courthouse after uh, the verdict. Have a listen to this. Quite short. Have a listen. Well, yeah, this has been a long eight years on both sides, and it's over, finally. Um, you know, it's a tragic set of circumstances. Uh, I think anybody that listened to any of it would know that. Um, we accept the sentence, uh, accept the judgment. I hate, I hate our client had to go back to prison, but um, he understands and he accepts it, and so it's time to move on, I think. Did they say anything to you before they, they were let away? Mr. Martins, in typical Tom Martins fashion, said, go take care of my family. Go take care of my family. So, you got anything to add? I'm sorry? No, not that we can think of. I expect he'll be out in seven months, at 51 months, given all the credits he's accumulated. Is that justice? Yes. Yes. Is that typical for a voluntary manslaughter defendant to get such a short prison sentence? Say it's 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 unusual, but I think it's it's. Uh, reflects the very particular and unusual facts of this case. I mean, there's nothing typical about this case. Nothing. I mean, this is an extraordinary case, an extraordinary set of circumstances. I think the judge believed that, saw that. Do you know where they will be uh, in prison? No. 
I don't know. I, I expect they'll probably go through a processing facility, and then that's all up to the Department of Adult Corrections where they have bed space and where they may be housed. I have no idea. I'm sorry. They're being processed as we speak. Into custody. Into yes. custody, yes. Yes. Defense lawyers for uh, Tom Martins there speaking outside uh, court after. I mean, there was a stage, I said, without repeating myself, there was a stage last week as I was thinking, these guys are going to walk. They're not going to get any time because they were spinning it so negative to about Jason Corbett and him and his, the way he was a manipulator and that he was, a, he was aggressive and that he was a control freak and everything. Uh, but it spun back again then when the children got to, uh, you know, they got to make their victim impact statements over the last couple of days. But seven months, I mean, come on, seven months. That is a ridiculous sentence. It really is insane. Anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent of the Irish Times, joins me by phone with regards to a very, very interesting, almost alarming story uh, of a chap, a uh, 36-year-old Hungarian national, arrested by Gardaí. Um, by all accounts, he had allegedly stolen a van up on the north side and drove all the way west to allegedly do a lot of break-ins. But by the time the uh, guards got involved in it, including the rapid response, the armed support unit, they had to fire a, sh- a shot through the cab of, a, of a, a lorry, the truck he was driving, just to stop the man. Barry Roach has the story for the Irish Times. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. It's like something you see in the movies, but it happened, it began in Cork, went on to West Cork and back into Cork again. But fill in the blanks. Yeah, uh, my understanding is this guy's 36-year-old chap. He's a Hungarian national living in the city. He's been here for about 12 years, never sort of featured before, as it were with Gardy. But um, Gardy believed that he stole a van in the Mount Farron area near Blackpool on uh, uh, Monday, let me think now, what night, the night, uh, Sunday night, sorry. Uh, he drove to the Pike outside Lenikilty and they believe he committed a burglary there took off and another committed another burglary break in, in Onehinche, came back to the pike and then around 7am yesterday morning abandoned the van and stole a truck, headed back towards Cork City. Guardi were alerted. They um, became aware of them around Bandon. They put in place a checkpoint at the halfway, tried to flag him down and stop him. He drove through, I'm not sure whether he went through or went left, but anyway, he, he didn't I think he stop. turned off for Ballinhasic or turned off for Ballinhasic, I'm not sure whether he went up further on the N71 turned off or whether he went off for the halfway. But anyway, worked his way back from Ballinhasic through back roads up by the airport, came down uh, Forge Hill, went down to Lannamore, turned apparently by the... Um, the garage down there at the off the off the the, um, the ring road. Forgive me, were they in pursuit of all of this? Yeah, they, they stopped at Lehenamore because they felt it was too dangerous. Traffic right. was too busy, and they just pulled back at that stage. But he pulled into a car park of a commercial premises up there. Gardy approached. He drove at them in the truck, rammed two Garda cars, and damaged a number of parked cars there as well. At that stage, the armed support unit were. Uh, on the scene, as it were, and Gardy, uh, how they phrased it is, uh, the vehicle failed to stop when directed to do so by the Gardy and managed containment operation was put in place by Gardy, and the operation later ended in the Forge Hill area of Toker. My understanding is that uh, they indicated or instructed him to stop. He didn't, and one member of their armed support unit fired a shot into the cab, uh, into the passenger side of it, uh, four feet from the guy. He then stopped, came out, was arrested, and he's been taken to the car station for questioning. Uh, he was, I was about 11 yesterday. It's the most excellent shot. Did you see it? It's, it's actually neither the passenger side nor the driver's side. It's, it's right in the middle where it would be a danger to nobody because nobody would sit there between the two wiper blades. It's an incredibly accurate shot. 
I didn't see it, no, Neil. That seems to me, but um, I gather it obviously had the desired effect because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the guy uh, stopped and, as I say, he's arrested. He's suspended. He, sorry, he was arrested under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act. That allows Gardaí to hold people for up to 24 hours. He had the right to suspend questioning at midnight. He did that, so he resumed at 8 o'clock. And my understanding is they have to make a decision or have to have the decision by, from the DDP uh, by sometime this afternoon as to whether he's to be released or charged. But um, obviously it's a pretty hairy sort of experience. Uh, thankfully, nobody sort the guy himself wasn't. None of the guard were. None of the people up there and nobody that he encountered in his route back from the halfway to uh, more I estimated at about 13, 15 kilometres uh, so there was that sort there of could have been, yeah, there could have been it a could crash e- you know, it could easily been. have been uh, yeah. somebody could have got hurt in this but thankfully nobody did so he's as I say in their Gardaí because they've discharged a shot they're obliged to inform the Garda Shikana Ombudsman Commission uh, and I contacted them they issued a statement saying that they'd been notified by the Gardaí of a discharge of a firearm during what they described as a vehicle containment incident in Cork today um, Gardaí officially the Garda press are saying man in his 30s was arrested by Gardaí currently detained at a Garda station in the southern region under section 4 Criminal Justice Act two Garda vehicles were damaged in the course of the operation no injuries were reported so officially as well as everything else uh, no injuries thankfully so yeah, that's, um, yeah. but it's, it's not the first uh, we've had some experience before here in Cork I was looking back last night um, of where the armed support unit had been called into action as well and of course the first real sort of in experience we had with them I think was back in May 2010 when a chap went into the McCushla Bar in Barney Street armed with a double barrel sawn off shotgun or double barrel shotgun sorry well actually it was sawn off yeah, yeah. Forgotten that. yeah and um, he was looking for the owner he had a grievance with him the owner had left sometime earlier but he began threat, uh, brandishing the gun in a threatening fashion and the barman and a number of customers fled the scene. We heard details from, um, it, w- it went to court afterwards and we heard from Detective Sergeant Dennis Cal at the time of Gronobar Garda Station and he told how a unit of the armed support uh, our police arrived within two minutes of the man, his name was Anthony O'Leary. Uh, they could see him through the window with the gun they entered the pub to find that he had his back to them and the gun by his side and when they ordered him to drop the weapon he swung around brought the gun up in preparation for firing and one of the guardy fired a single shot and it hit O'Leary in the arm before passing through to his abdomen guardy were then able to disarm him he was taken to COH thankfully he recovered uh, he, the matter was investigated again by the Garda Shikana Ombudsman they interviewed the guardy involved the customers and they examined CCTV footage and they, that showed that the guardy were justified in their actions uh, the court heard on that occasion and um, as I say the man was an Anthony O'Leary uh, from Lean Healy Road in Fairhill and he later uh, wrote a letter of apology to the court expressing his remorse for his action and relief that nobody had been injured mm. and he admitted he realised how, unf- how fortunate he himself was to be alive and he accepted the version that uh, he had a grievance over his uncle's death who had been ejected from the pub some years before and he accepted that his uncle's death was a tragic accident mm. so that was sort of the first real encounter we had our experience at the ASU here in Cork and then uh, about a year later in um, 2011 there was an incident at the airport people might remember this a guy called uh, Edmund Stapleton originally from Dublin Hill he hijacked a guard of van down or a guard of jeeps rather on Patrick Street on a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. uh, put a knife to the throat of uh, Garda McBohan took off in the jeep um, and drove down Winter Street from my recollection Preston Street out onto the mall and then up to the airport rammed a barrier up there and he was rammed a couple of guard cars and airport police vehicles up there and was driving around uh, 
and the fear was that he was going to ram a plane that was uh, stationed on the runway. The Gardaí were called again, the armed support unit, and I remember the court case, uh, it was before Judge Sean Donovan, and we heard from the Sergeant Danny Cullen, as he was then, in the ACU, and he told how he had aimed his firearm, his rifle, or his semi-automatic rifle, I think, at Stapleton, and when Stapleton saw the red button on his chest, the laser light, he dropped his knife and the thing was resolved without anybody being hurt. On that occasion, uh, as I say, uh, Judge O'Donovan commended a certain calling for uh, his professionalism in dealing with it and again, nobody was injured, thankfully, in that one. So that was the other one and then there have been two others just to fill you in. There's a case in Mallow there in 2020 May, Guardia at the checkpoint, uh, uh, car failed to stop and the initial reports were that the driver failed to stop was driving at an officer and a member of the ASU discharged his weapon. A man was injured, uh, sh- shot in the shoulder, was taken to hospital. My understanding is that he made a good recovery. That case is coming before the courts, I think, actually today in actual fact in connection. There's a case arising from that in the courts mm. today in terms of the suspicion was that there was drugs involved. Uh, so that's before the courts. And then the other one that people might remember was again in 2020, uh, July, a chap called Tommy Manna from Mallow. He was uh, up, had a row with his girlfriend in... Um, Mount Vernon View in the city around uh, it was 11pm 3rd of July he came out and started firing two imitation firearms an M4 assault rifle and a Hector and Cox semi-automatic pistol these were firing pellets Gary recalled he'd gone back into the house came back out and Sergeant uh, uh, Colin Greenway uh, confronted him he fired at him and Sergeant Greenway took cover uh, and managed to usher two women into safety uh, Manna kept firing at him and took off in a car and it went he, uh, he jumped into his girlfriend's car took off in the direction of Military Hill Old Yarn Road Silver Springs down to Glanmire Road Lord Glanmire Road the ASU were in pursuit he drove through Glanmire Village still firing at them out the car up the yeah crashed through the uh, barrier toll barrier at Watergrass Hill and he only came to a stop in Gardaí from North Cork. Uh, they'd come down from Fermoy and they'd play, deployed a stinger that punctured the tyres. Yeah. Uh, he still stayed firing from the car. He then got out of the car. Despite the ASU officers telling him to drop the gun, he, which they believed was real, he uh, got back into the car and started, continued firing. They returned fire, and I think the car was hit six times, but he, thankfully he wasn't. And they tasered him, and he was arrested. And he got, oh he got five years... Uh, what did he get? He, did he, did he, he got five years, was it? I think he got... Uh, Judge O'Donovan again said, uh, Gardy properly believed the firearms are real and risks to life and limb were there with the movement of the queues and the manner in which he, dis- he sensed himself discharging it on, on Military Hill and again Wargas Hill. It's quite alarming to think he drove through the north side of the city with an imitation firearm, pointed out the window of the, gar- of the car and discharged Gardy and he continued with this aggressive stylized brandishing gun and no request by the Gardy uh, to stop, stop at yeah. any effect in him. Yeah, so he got, uh, got eight years with final two suspended. So... Uh, so he's serving six years. Yeah. That happened in uh, the care court case was 21, so he's still inside, I'd imagine. Well, as they say, let that be a lesson to him. Barry, so much thanks for all of that. Appreciate it as always. Barry Road, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of, that's why we have the Armed Support Unit in Cork, to be there when they're needed to defuse a situation that otherwise could not be sorted without their intervenzione. Lines are open. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Get it off your chest. 
Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. I'm talking about burglaries and alleged burglaries there in the last report with uh, Barry Roach. There's an interesting story making the papers. They talk about uh, the five ways that burglars can tell that nobody's home. Um, you have a full letterbox, for instance, with letters falling out of them and bulging out of them uh, because they haven't been picked up. Uh, your lights are either always on or always off. <laughs> You're kind of damned if you do or damned if you don't. Uh, number three, you po- your post on social media about not being home, um, like being out at a concert or away on holidays, is just an absolute invitation for burglars. Um, so I'm assuming they're saying about that, that burglars are just scrolling through people's social media accounts, working out where they live, and then raiding the house when they know they're out. Uh, knocks on the door go unanswered. Burglars literally come up, knock on the door, nobody answering. They break in. And number five, burglars notice a consistent pattern. As in, they know the time you go out, they know the time you come home, they know there's not a dog in the house, blah, 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 blah. Of course, if you had, uh, I suppose this has really been uh, one way of saying that you need to get yourself an alarm system is one of the ways to keep them out. Uh, but it's kind of interesting, isn't it? They talk about how to protect your homes uh, from break-ins. I suppose if you had timers for the lights or a do- imagine a car in the driveway would be a real deterrent as well. Um, and a bit of technology is what they're suggesting. There is technology actually, which I was reading in this morning Star. So it's an app. I don't know if it's been released yet, but you download it onto your smartphone and it will be able to tell you if you're too drunk to drive. The app listens to your voice. And uh, firstly, it needs to know what weight you are, because if it knows the weight, it can calculate how much you could drink um, and still be allowed legally and safely to drive. I, I firmly believe you wouldn't need any apps or any of this kind of nonsense if nobody ever drank and drove. As in, just don't drink and drive. Full stop. But far be it for me to tell people what to do. So anyway, you got this app. Um, and apparently one of the things that the app will do is it will ask you uh, to read a tongue twister. Right? So you got to be able to read a tongue twister and then it rates you. I mean, I'm blood sober, but I would still struggle to say, Peter Piper picked a pack of pipple, pickled peppers. You see? So now, you didn't, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a drunk driver. You never practiced your tongue twisters for Peter Piper on picked a pack of pickled peppers. Peter peppers. Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. A pack of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked. Oh, you'd be driving away. Yeah, so, yeah not I'm a bother. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck, a woodchuck could chuck wood? Oh, yeah, not a bother. But I, I was wondering, will this be an, ex- an opportunity for parents uh, not to give lifts to their kids uh, on a Sunday morning? You know, if the kid goes, oh, I need to go here. Oh, sorry, I had a few drinks last night. But on the app there, oh, I just can't, I can't say the word at yeah. all. That's <laughs> a new get out of jail card. Yeah, nice, new it's app. a good one. <laughs> T- tongue twisters and also your weight would determine as to how much you could drink. Again, I remind you, drink nothing and drive just do one or the other uh, back to the phone lines we go One eight. get on the phone yourself 0818 Cyan good morning hello there oh, while, you're, while you're chatting there I'm going to dig out some more of the uh, text that I have on vaping and children so go ahead your thoughts on it yeah I just think I mean I I just don't think that vaping should be advertised towards children. I mean, in our local circle, Kay, the ice cream counter, which still looks Ah, like an ice cream counter. Did you send me that photograph? I did. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I I referenced that earlier. It just kind of, it gives me rage that it's purely, I've never seen such such, such an appealing display to children in that shop. Firstly, it's it's enormous, right? It's bright. It's it's, exactly, it's at child's eye level. 
and it says get yours here. I mean, it almost makes it sound like it's something a lot more exciting than vapes. Oh my God, it would be a magnet. That. It would be a magnet because the colours are all bright. It's got all the colours of the rainbow. It's very large. It's got overhead signs as well. It's the um, it's the vapes, the disposable vapes, and you can bring in your old ones and throw them into a recycling box. So it really is a big temptation because it's not against the law to allow children to use them. Not yet. But, you know, it's not against the law, but it, it doesn't mean that Circle K has to transform their ice cream counters into vape counters for the winter, you know. Just because it's not against the law, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Well, they would say the that. Time. They would say that they're not breaking the law and nobody's buying ice cream, so it's a case of using the space cleverly. It is, but then, you know, I mean, there's match attack cards on top of the counter. My 10-year-old, he's crazy about the match attack cards. He's got no interest in vapes at all, you know. But am I going to let him go in there, reach up for the match attack card? Oh, he can put his recycled Lego right next to that unit in the Jack and Jill charity appeal that they have, which is right next to the disposable vape box. I mean, it's just all so wrong. It's like a kid's zone based around a vape counter. Well, you, you know, listen, you know, you would, be, you would be attracted by the colour and the pizzazz of it, and it's a sexy-looking display, and kids would love that, all of the colours and the flavours and, you know, but... but very, very soon, and certainly before Christmas, it will be illegal to sell a vape to an under 18-year-old, and they probably will ban single-use vapes. You'd be happy with that, surely? I, I mean, I definitely would be. I don't have any problems with adults if they want to vape, if, even if it's behind the counter, etc. Advertising, they have an elf bar in there that doesn't bother me too much, but it's just the fact that it's so child-orientated. Actually, you're very right. <clears throat> you know, cigarettes are legal. They can only be sold to over-18s, but they are legal. But, you, but it would be illegal to have displays like that for cigarettes, wouldn't it? But yet, until it, they're made illegal, yeah. you know, shops can sell them or market them any way they want. Whereas really, yeah, exactly. they should be very, yeah. they should be very discreetly sold, shouldn't they? I I would think so. I mean, an adult is that type of marketing doesn't appeal to adults. It purely appeals to to young kids. I mean, I know it's a petrol station, but it's also a store that local children would walk to to buy snacks and treats. You know, teenagers sit out meat and sit on the benches outside. So it's not just a case of it's adults at the petrol station going into that store. Oh, and I see them all of the time. You see them at lunchtime and after school and everything. Thank you so much, Cyan. Let me read out some texts on this. I'm sorry now. Vapes are absolutely disgusting. They have created a new breed of addicts who walk the streets and blow clouds of cancer causing muck into people's faces walking behind them. Ban the whole lot of them I say. Another one here. Just tell teens what is being, what's being put into the vapes. Uh, now that's a problem on top of an already enormous problem. Uh, don't make, give out my details. Well, um, you know, what, what isn't being put into the vapes, in all fairness, is the thousands and thousands of chemicals and nicotine, well there is nicotine, and tar that's being put into real cigarettes. Uh, nicotine won't kill you. You will be addicted to it, but it, it won't kill you. Um, that's the difference. So vapes probably, for a smoker who wants to stop smoking and slowly killing themselves, vaping is probably a good way to go and get lower and lower nicotine levels of vapes. Regarding vapes in the age limit, it's nothing but window dressing. Under 18s access alcohol, don't they? So why would vapes be any different? 
Is this the same government that proposed decriminalisation of cannabis? It's total hypocrisy, says Anthony. Uh, Hi, Neil. Here in Spain, where I listen to you every day, vapes are more expensive than cigarettes. 20 John Player Blue is €5.40. And a Lost Mary Vape, there must be a brand name, a Lost Mary Vape is a tenner. So is it €10 for a disposable vape with, say, 500 puffs in it? for a tenner but yet you'd probably find the, the Johnny Blue here would be 15 euro and in Spain 5 euro uh, that show on Netflix that you were talking about this morning Big Vape The Rise and Fall of Jewel people should look at it and one final one on the subject of vapes food delivery companies are delivering vapes undercover as well to teenagers I even witnessed it myself now we've contacted Circle K to ask whether or not they might have a rethink about their displays it'll be interesting to see what they have to say on the matter Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Talk to John in a few seconds' time, um, but uh, we were doing some other research because of the price of the tickets for the Bruce Springsteen concert, and people were wondering as to what hotel prices would be on the night of the 16th of May next year. So we took a quick look. Now, it's interesting. They're not mental. They're not mad. Uh, maybe, I don't know why, they're, they're expensive but not crazy. The Metropole Hotel is 200, 275 euro for the night on the night of the gig. It's a very small room, they're saying, though. They call it a cosy city room. Uh, so that'll be two people, 275. It's 288 with breakfast. The Clayton, um, pricey enough, I have to say, it includes breakfast, but on the night of the Springsteen gig, 361 euro. You know, I would have thought that really any kind of reasonable price for a hotel room in this day and age should be in and around 150, 160 euro, and I'd find that expensive. But anyway, nothing to do with me. 360. The Maldron up in Shandon, 289 euro. And the double room is 317, and it includes breakfast. So they're pricey. They're not mental like six and seven and 800. They're pricey enough. The Kingsley, where you kind of expect to get a bit of a a fright from the price it being five star 323 euro for a classic king room and 363 euro with breakfast there was no availability uh, at Isaac's hotel um, and we couldn't get through uh, apparently to the Imperial because they just weren't answering their phone by all accounts so we love you and leave you on that one the Rosetown Park on the night 318 euro for deluxe double room breakfast included and Rez Cork the new funky hotel on McCurtain Street I thought the idea of that was that it would be cheap, affordable hotel rooms. Fair enough. Maybe it is. €210 Euro for the night for a small, sort of small double room. Um, you know, even if you go out of town for the night of the Springsteen gig, Cargilline, Cargilline Court Hotel, €281. Euro. That'd be for two people now. Breakfast included, 281. So it'd be impossible to find anything, anything under 200 euro. So just don't even bother trying. Anyway, what are we doing here? Let me get back to my phone lines. But before I do, just two uh, compliments for Ungarda Shikona. Um, Gardi get a lot of criticism, Neil. However, we should be thankful for the likes of the Garda detective who took that shot and who had the guts to take that shot yesterday to halt that lorry. Anywhere else in the world other than Holy Ireland, a cop could take that shot without any fear of the politically correct whack job saying, oh no, the poor criminal could have been killed. I for one wish to thank that Garda for his bravery and his professionalism. And we need more like him. So thank you for that text to 0868 104 106. And so back to the phone lines we go, John, thanks for holding. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. All right. What are we complaining? The pa- Oh, yes. The price, the comparison price of a packet of cigarettes, is it? Yeah, well, nobody's complaining, actually. That's why we're paying so much. 
We are, we we um we we have the dearest cigarettes in the European Union. Did you know that? Yes, I think it's because the Irish government is very very concerned for their citizens' health, much more concerned than any other country in the EU. That's the price, the highest price in the EU. 16 euro for a box of cigarettes. Yeah, 16 and, uh, euro. And the only ones that come anywhere close to us, um, and this is in euro, is this, so don't worry about it. I've converted it to euro. We're 15.50. The UK is tenner. France is a tenner. Finland is eight. And it goes all the way down to um, Luxembourg, where it's 4.78, 4 euro 78 for a 20 pack of fags. So you get, you, get three, you, get, you get three packets of fags in Luxembourg for the cost of one packet in Ireland. Yes, and you get uh, um, and Lisbon, Portugal is five euro for a packet. Amsterdam is five euro for a packet. Berlin is five euro for a packet. Rome is five euro for a packet. Spain is about four euro for a packet. South Africa is about two euro for a packet. But the my, most important thing here. Um, keep, let me keep going down there. Poland, three euro twenty-two cent for a packet. Bulgaria, two euro seventy-seven cent. So all European Union countries. Don't get me wrong. Bulgaria two seventy-seven. Ireland five fifteen fifty. What's going on? That's what I'm thinking. What is going on? And what 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 we. The Irish government was brought to court by the EU. They bought brought to the European Court of Justice. It happened a number of years ago. It was during the financial crash. And the Irish government actually lost the case. And the Irish government was told that they need to stop setting the prices on cigarettes because it is anti-competitive and they must please stop it. And they still haven't stopped it. And Because they are trying to get people to stop smoking and to discourage people taking it up and also at the same time to make a lot of money in taxation and excise. So I know. think it's I think it's the latter, Neil. Because let's let's be honest, I am sure every single European EU government out there is looking after their citizens. But it doesn't mean Hardly, hardly, the- hardly if they're selling fags for two euro seventy for twenty. I mean, it means like there's going to be an awful lot of people per head of capita will be smoking. At least at 15.50, it might, dis- might encourage you to smoke less, give up or never start. Think about um, it, like 15.50 a day, 15.50 a day is the bones of nearly 100 euro a week. It's a lot of money, isn't it? They must be cleaning up here. They must be really cleaning up. Um, anyway, that's a good story. Let me get to Jura, if you don't mind, for the time that I've left. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, John. Jura, good morning. Hello, good from, morning. From cigarettes to vapes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a girlfriend for seven or eight months, and she uh, she told me that she was a non-smoker, but I had, I had detected that uh, she had been uh, vaping and smoking sometimes uh, on the quiet. But she asked me after about three or four months, uh, did, did I mind if she vaped? I said, look, not at all. As long as you don't do it in front of me. I hate those bloody things. But um, uh, That's a game changer anyway. That's the end of that relationship. No, it, uh, no? it went on, it went on uh, for another couple of months. Uh, but uh, the vaping was in the uh, car, in the bed, in the, uh, everywhere. And um, I, 
in the, first thing in the, the morning uh, and she would yeah because like some people first thing in the morning the first thing they reach for is a cigarette so you can understand that first thing in the morning some yeah. people first thing they reach for isn't a cup of coffee it's their vape yeah but the thing is vapes are full of nicotine that's what they're replacing with cigarettes but there's still nicotine in them and nicotine pre-ages people and I could say this uh, lady aged 10 years in the 6 months 7 or 8 months while I know ah uh, you're joking me what? Yeah. She aged 10 years. What, you're talking about wrinkles or something? Yeah. And did she know that she had aged 10 years and six months? Uh, she was conscious, I'd say, of it, yeah. Really? <laughs> Is there a warning on the vape saying that if you vape, you'll age 10 years and six months? Well, if you, if you do smoke... Premature aging You do warning. get lots of wrinkles. You do get wrinkles from nicotine. And, you, and you, you, well, you, you will get wrinkles from cigarettes for sure. Yeah. 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 But nic- vaping is just the same cigarette. It's the nicotine that causes the pre-aging. No, I mean, it's without all of the chemicals, though, and uh, the carcinogens are taken out of it. Nicotine won't kill you. You'll be addicted to it, but it won't kill you. The idea is that you come oh, down through you come down through the strengths and you ultimately give up. But do, listen, I understand the way vaping companies work and I understand that tobacco companies want to get in or are very much involved in the vape marketing now because they see huge money in it. They want people to buy their products. They're not, yeah, but they're not really trying to help people. They're thinking, hmm, the cigarettes now aren't as popular. We need to come up with another idea. Vape. <laughs> You, you can't think? hide. You can't hide smoking. You can't hide vaping. <laughs> how did you, anyway? Listen, without wanting to pry too much, how did you ultimately break up? Um. Yeah, I I, I had enough of it. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> um. I was I was an ex smoker myself for twenty years, so it it just. Uh, wasn't acceptable. Oh, anymore. so that was a game changer for you. Relationship could not carry in, in on. The, in the in the end, yeah. Did she offer to stop vaping? No, um, there was probably some other issues in the relationship, but that was a major one. Yeah, it was the game changer. Yeah, all right, okay. So you said, <laughs> did you say that, or did you say it's not you, it's me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said that. Yeah. I said that. Uh, what did she say? Uh, well, this, this is me. I, uh, I, yeah. yeah. This is me. I do what I want. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, my man. Okay. All right. So that would be uh, that would be, that would be on your list of do's and don'ts for your next date, is it? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Take care. Take care. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Actually, just before I move on to the next call, there was an interesting thing that are that are no goes when it comes to dating or first dates. Just moving on from what Joe is talking about there, uh, and some of them can be where you went or where you go or where you should not go on your first date. And they came up with a list of places taken from a survey of places women do not want to be taken to on a first date. And right up at the top is the cinema. And when Claire showed it to me earlier in the week, I said, what would be wrong with a first date in the cinema? It would be great. Just go watch a film together. She said, no conversation. You'd be sitting there and you might as well be sitting with a total stranger. So no to the cinema. So apparently, do not go to the cinema on a first date. Do not take the first date to your house, to any fast food chain. Why not? Like Both of you like hillbillies or a Big Mac. Why not? Don't take them to any kind of a buffet. Why? It's not romantic enough, I suppose, shoveling food onto a plate. Do not have a first date pre-organised in the gym, a church, 
family functions, Starbucks, um, do not go for a long drive, do not go bowling, do not go to a nightclub, do not go to a sports event, do not go to a hookah bar, a hookah bar. What's, what's actually left? What is left to do? I mean, no, seriously, what, what? They said you can't go for a coffee, you can't go for a meal. I mean, you can't go um, to for a drive or bowling would be a good idea. Bowling's a great one. So what are you I supposed see to do? There's nothing wrong with bowling. For God's sake. What's you, left? I don't know, maybe have a look at some of our famous robot trees. You could take them in. You could pontificate about their uh, about the amount that they cost to go Go for a be, walk, I suppose. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, I look, I think I under the cinema, the cinema 100% I get. The cinema, I get. I'm like, so thick, I didn't no, even get that. There's no point in meeting somebody and then not spending the entire time talking to them. But some of them, I mean, come, give over. Give us a chance. I mean, come on, we have to What's take so you somewhere. going for a coffee? You went for a coffee, you Seriously? can leave after 15 minutes. Yeah, if, you're, if you went for dinner, you're stuck for an hour and a half. Well, I've seen, as anybody said, you might have seen First Dates on Channel 4. There's plenty of them have gotten up no, and walked that, out halfway no, through no, the dinner. No, 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 That's that, a great show. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, yeah, coffee's a good idea because you can just have the coffee and leave. But anyway, thanks yeah. for that. Let me talk to Nicola because we're under pressure. Nicola, good morning. Good morning. Now, you worked, or you work in a major UK supermarket, is it? I do, yeah. No, it's a supermarket chain who's got um, a branch in Cork. Is it one of those? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay, okay, go ahead. So, yeah, like, anything to do with, like, cigarettes or vapes or anything, like, we have to, like, it comes up on our, on our screen that we have to think 25. Now, you don't have to be 25 to buy them, but that's just a way of saying you can't sell and, and to, you can't sell it for under 18 years of age. The problem is, is that, like, it's parents buying it for kids. That's the problem, like. Have you seen that? Have you witnessed that? Oh, I've witnessed that, yeah. Like, and I mean, kids could be 11, 12 years of age. Like, it's absolutely mad, like. Well, wait a second. Explain to me how you have observed and experienced a parent buying a disposable vape and physically giving it to a 12-year-old. Have you seen that? No, see, because we have, like, it's called a proxy sale. So if we know that they're buying for some buying for someone under the age of 18, we can't then sell it, you know? So, like, but, but no, I know. I mean, I mean, I don't mean to... I'm not grilling you. I'm just wondering, how do you know that the adult was buying it for a child? See, the child will tell him the different flavours of whatever they want and then oh the father will... or the mother or whatever will so say So you have it. witnessed it then? Oh, I witnessed it, yeah. And I mean, he's, he's tried... Like, this one person in particular has tried it multiple times. I'm like, I can't sell it to you for your child. Like, it, it's just... I'm not using my job over this for you, you know, in that kind of a way, but it's mad like. But you I mean, actually can sell it by law? Not to anyone under 18. No, you can't, no. Not, not where I work anyway. But that, that's, a, that's a rule that's imposed by the supermarket chain. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah okay. And, and, and what do you think of the moron parent that's buying the disposable vape for the 12 year old? It's mad, like, I mean, like, it, it's just mad, like, why would you want to, like, like, I know cigarettes are bad for you, but you don't even know what's in these vapes, like, and I've heard horrific stories about them, you know. God I mean, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous, like, it's absolutely ludicrous. Do you get any grief, then, when you would refuse to sell it to them for a child? Oh, yeah, he's, oh, but they'll say, oh, I'm buying it, you're buying it for your child, like, you know, and it, <laughs> I can, I can witness this, this is what I can say, like, if they come up and just say, oh, I want this type of vape or this cigarette or... Etc. I have to sell it then. But if I know that the child's they're saying, "Oh, I want this flavor now," and then I I, I can refuse to sell it. But you know? that eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old could potentially be in primary school, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh my God, Almighty! The parenting, the parenting. What are you gonna say? But like, I I, I reckon like it, it's the kids now in charge of the parents in, in that scenario. You know, like it, they don't know anything. You know. 
How much is how much is a disposable vape? The one that goes for five hundred puffs. How much are they? They're about nine euro. Okay, okay. They're not cheap then, should they not? They're not cheap. No, but like they, they, like they be walking around puffing them day in day. Like even in schools, I've heard some kids saying like that they're puffing in schools. Like when teachers are gone out of class and stuff. Like I mean. You could buy one because the they time, are you know? addicted to nicotine at such a young age. We really, as a, as a, as a species, humans, um, we really are, um, you know, when it comes to our children, time after time after time, giving examples of, um, of neglect and cruelty towards children, because that is cruelty towards children. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You see, and it's the flavour that they're addicted to, like it's the cola and it's the strawberry and it's... There's so many different flavours out there, you Things know? that kids love, I know. Nice, yeah, Nicola, thanks yeah. so much. Do stay in touch, Thank all right? You. Appreciate the call. Thanks. So I'm going to love you and leave you for the day that's in it to remind you that 15.50 is the price of a 20 packet of cigarettes in Ireland and it goes all the way down the list of European countries. You go down past Spain at 4.50. You keep on going down past Hungary at 4 euro. Keep going, keep going. Lithuania at 3.76. Uh, all the way down to Poland at 3.22 and the cheapest 2.77 in Bulgaria. So 20 fags in Bulgaria or Poland, anywhere between 2.70 and 3.22. Price of a packet of fags in Ireland, 15.50. Of course, they are bad for you. The government doesn't want you to do it. They want people to cut down and quit and they don't want people to take up. But they also want to make an awful lot of money on excise. So we're way ahead of, we really are the poster boys, aren't we? The goody two-shoes of Europe. Um, But I often wonder how far people would chase a packet of fags because I heard this morning from people within retail saying that they see people as smoking as much now as they were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So we learned a lot today. Hope you enjoyed it. Text 0868104106. Get involved in the vaping conversation or indeed electric and hybrid cars. Um, are they what they've been cracked up to be? A bit like the robo trees. Back in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.